Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Hey, look who is back. What is up, everybody? Happy Monday, one and all. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Derek Gunn returns from the beach. Look how tan he is. Oh, like a, my, a tan is, my tan is evened out. I feel so good. You're oh. a golden god. That's what you are. Oh, how man. are we doing? Did you have fun on your on your excursion to the yes, beach? Yes, man. It was it was so great just to get, get away with the family and especially – just watched the grandkids uh, play in the sand. Um, my two-year-old granddaughter had never been to the beach. Nice. Um, and the 11-month-old had never been to the beach before. And uh, the biggest the biggest dilemma was trying to keep the 11-month-old from putting globs of sand in his mouth. <laughs> uh, you know, the men sit there and go, ah, oh, he's a boy, he's all right. And the girl, women are like, what is dirty sand? People spit in the uh-huh. sand, people. And we're like, eh, okay, just as long as you, and you see him sitting there, he's got sand, mustache. up his nose and his ears. His, oh, yeah, yeah that, that was it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. When did these Crocs become such a phenomenon? Crocs, a so rubber I, plastic shoe, when? Yeah, uh, I think they're in their sort of, this is like their resurrection stage. Like, I think they're in their comeback mode. Like, they were big. So my kids are 21 and 18. When they were little. Crocs were huge. Okay. All right. So they both wore them when they were little and they would put these little like pin things in the top of them and you know, all this other stuff. Right. My daughter would put like soccer things in there. And yeah. Yeah. My son put basketballs, whatever. So they were huge, like, like in the mid to late 2000s, they were big. And I think they've made a massive comeback because oh. Oh. everybody before it used to be just kids. Now it's everybody. Let me tell you something. So on Saturday, we, we check out of our friend's uh, 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 house on the beach. Yeah. And my, 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 my one daughter, my one daughter and my, and my wife go, we got to go to the Crocs store. We got to check out these Crocs. I'm like, oh, okay. It's on, it's on the way home. Fine. Let's do it. I get out of the car, go in the Crocs store. It's like a city in, in Rehoboth Beach. It's right in this like. Oh, they're tang- incredible. Wall and outlets in a tangible, tangible outlets. Yep. And, and. The Thomas Burke says Crocs are an abomination. Uh, <laughs> Eagles Eagles fan says he has three pair. Uh, 
so I go in and I'm like, man, I just want, I just want to either get something, either just go home. I go in and rob old people, young people, yep. Yep. teenagers, young adults, black, white, Asian. This place mm -hmm. is packed, and I'm thinking, and I'm looking on the walls, man. There's every color, shape, size. And, they, you know, I'm thinking, now, a couple of years ago, my oldest daughter and son-in-law bought me a pair of Crocs as a Father's Day gift. They were camouflage. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I wore them one time, and I got a blister on my heel. But I didn't know this until Tone told me this in a show meeting today. Yeah. Because I was wearing them without socks on, okay? So Tone said, no, he, what did Tone call it? The sports, the sports look what? Yeah, when you take the, the so there there's a strap on the back. So if yes. you take the strap off and you sort of wear them, or flip it up. Well, what? Yeah, what, it was, you, yeah. You, that's sort of that's sport mode. And then, you know, you, that's also more. They're almost like flip flops at that point. If you do that, if, if if that's how you're wearing them, yeah. Okay, so so I'm looking, and they even got like men and women. They have like fur inside of them now. Yeah, like Uggs, like Uggs. Winter ones. Yeah, you can wear them yeah. when it's when it's warm, cold. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm like. This is unbelievable. Yeah. People are just, and these things ain't cheap, bro. They're like 50, 60, 70 dollars. Yep. And so I'm looking at people are buying three, four, five pair running to the counter. I understand you're at the beach, but you're buying, running, and, and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm telling yeah. you, man. It is. It's, it's like, can you imagine what it costs to make them? It's basically nothing. just like plastic. Nothing. nothing. What a brilliant invention. Nothing. Honestly, yep. And so my, my, my oldest daughter and son are both RNs, and you know, they work overnight shifts. They, for years, have sworn by and It says the best shoe ever to wear when you're working in a hospital. That's what Fitness Rebel just said in the, in the chat. Okay. Yep. But see, my, my counter is, what if you have a code red or something? You can't run in Crocs. You got to drop them. You got to flip them and run barefoot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's hospital policy. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm looking for every excuse known to mankind not to get these Crocs, right? And so I'm sitting there going, then I see a pair. I'm like, oh, this is sleek. Yeah. So I see a pair. They're light gray on the top, and they're trimmed with black and gray rubber, right? They don't even look like Crocs. Yeah. So I go to get a pair. I said, you know, I go to the counter. They don't have my size on the shelf. And I go to take them to the counter. I say, hey, do you have these in a size 13? Oh, no, we're out of 13. I'm like, what? Oh. One pair I like, you don't even have them, you know. So then I find another black pair. And I'm like, these are nice. And so, you know, you know, saying, Rob, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Yes. D-Gun bought him a pair of Crocs. There you go. All right, good. I like that. I, I like got, that. I got to give it a second chance. You're I, expanding I, your horizons. You now, I hate to say this, Rob. Now, you've known me a long time. I hate to say this. But when Crocs first came out, I'm like, nah, that's white dude's shoe, man. We, <laughs> brothers, brothers ain't wearing these shoes, man. No, man, come on. I'm, I'm serious, man, because I ain't seen any, any people color wearing them. I was yeah. at the malls, grocery stores. I ain't seen any black people wearing them now. <laughs> All of a sudden, Rob, over the last two years. Yeah, everybody. Yep. Everybody's wearing them. They're yep. like they're like the Rainbow Coalition shoes. <laughs> everybody's wearing there's, them. There's a Jesse Jackson line of, of Crocs. You didn't you didn't know about those. No. I, dude, yeah. I, dude, let me tell you something. I, I'm just I'm still flabbergasted as I sit here two days later. Yeah, they're huge I now. I can't believe Rob. All we need is an idea, dude. Something simple. I know. I'm surprised. I can't believe the comeback they made. Like I thought we were done with them, and then they're way bigger now than they were in the in the you know the 2010s oh, or whatever. Way bigger. You, you can't go anywhere. No. I mean, people, people wear them to church. I know. I know. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
especially this time wow. of year with you know with the warmer weather yes they're they're everywhere yeah no I mean, no. man my, son, my my daughter tina and son-in-law bought two or three pairs then they brought a little cruisy another pair and here now here's a kicker and they I are mean, good for the beach too they're they're very good for the beach yeah, yeah but you know i didn't see as many on the beach because people still wear the flip-flops yeah. and the sandals yeah. but everywhere else you go restaurants stores everywhere you can't you can't turn your head without somebody wearing crocs right I'm telling you so here's the big here's the biggest here's the bigger scam in the croc store and they see this whole board of these little things that you can put on the crocs these little it could be a super mario it could be a dinosaur and it says buy 14 get 12 free oh great <laughs> so my daughter tina and my wife are gobbling them up looking for different asking cruz cruz do you like this one and we get to get them for for ariana and they're getting some for eli and getting and i'm like so they buy 14 of them they're 2.99 a piece right oh, so multiply 2.99 times 14 yeah yeah but the hook is you get 12 free right so you pay over $70 for these little bitty rubber things that probably cost 50 cents to make, mm-hmm. all kinds of shapes and sizes. Dude, it's the best scam going down. And, of course, Lil Cruz comes home with his new pair of Crocs. He's got Super Mario. He's got his dinosaur. You know, he's a dinosaur fanatic. Sure, sure. He's got three or four on his shoes. And as I'm starting to look around, I see adults now putting these little rubber things in their Crocs. I'm never going that far. Yeah, that, that's a, that's for, save that. That's got to be safe for the kids. Adults shouldn't have their little their little pins in their Crocs. That, that's a Let's little see. too much. Chris D, Chris D and Fitness Rebel said, D, gonna show your Crocs on the show. Here's what I do at the first commercial break. I go to my closet right here and I'll grab them. I'll okay. show you the two pair I have. I'll show you the, the camouflage ones my oldest daughter and son-in-law bought. And, and I'll show you the ones I just bought on Saturday. And then my wife bought some. And then, of course, the daughter-in-law, I mean, the daughter, the son-in-law, they bought, I think they bought a couple pair of peas. Okay. I, I ain't lying to you. I saw people with like two, three, four pair in each hand running out stores with these things and i'm like this is unbelievable wow yeah wow. i tell you th- those outlets though <clears throat> there are killer they have killer the outlets. beach outlets are incredible right they're awesome we used nike, to do it thank you store adidas store oh. uh, every name brand you can think of um, yeah. um oh my goodness um the watch companies it yes. make, and they're all right across the street from each other dude. it's amazing that used to be our wow. move like we would come back from ocean city maryland and we'd stop there on our way back, you know, on the oh. way home. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Burke, I'll never look at D Gun the same. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Thomas. I'm sorry. I had I couldn't. It's I don't know what it was. Something came over me. I yeah, I know. Fences and bought some, man. I think I think we call you now Crocodile Gundy. How about Ooh. that? You guys remember like back, that? Hey, hey! Remember back in the day when I worked for NBC? Uh, one of our techs named Val. Yes, who's my one of my favorites. Yes, and she came up with this post. I got to see if I can find it. I'll send it to you if I can find it. Yes. And she, and, and, and she had posters printed You out. had it hanging up at your desk, I remember. Yes. Yeah. I have it somewhere buried in a box somewhere. I, have a, I kept one photo. But she did a really good, good job. So I, I forgot how it started, but somebody said something, and she went with Crocodile Gundy, and it, it was all over their office for, for a long time, man. Yes. I got to see if I can find this picture. So, yep. But in the first commercial break, I'll get both pair of Crocs, and I'll show people my crack. Yes, D-Gun has given in. I fought the good fight for as long as I could. I said no. And usually my family will tell you when I say no to something, that's it. I'm not going to do it. I gave in, Rob. I hear I joined, you. I joined the cult. Yeah, you, you, you're okay. You've come over to the dark side. I like I'm it. over to the dark side, man. All right. So we do have a lot going on uh, beyond that. So uh, Phillies take three out of four from the Padres. 
and you know when they lost Friday, and they were they were on their way. It looked like to losing Saturday, game one, and they made yep. a comeback, and they win game two Saturday night. And they after a three hour rain delay yesterday, I mean those those poor folks who waited that out, uh, they win yesterday too. So they take three out of four. A lot of heroics, you know. Harper has a has a monster. Actually, both no days, question. monster hit yesterday, which tied it in the tenth, I think, and then. Yep. Yep. If you go back to game one on Saturday, he beats out an infield single, which tied it, which was enormous. He flew down the line, um, you know, and then, of course, we had the the debut of uh, Johan Rojas. Yes. Who, the second batter of the first game on Saturday, it's his first major league game. I think it was Tatis who hit it. He, he tracks a ball down, leaps against the fence, makes the catch, spins, fires a strike the first and gets a double play. You're like, whoa, OK, unbelievable. Nice debut, and then he has three hits on uh, Saturday night. So he he had a nice debut. We'll, we'll talk a lot about the Phillies because not only did they have a good weekend, uh, teams that they needed to lose also lost. So things kind of worked out well for the Phillies over the uh, over the weekend for sure. But it was it was really really exciting baseball for sure. They're off tonight. They'll play to Milwaukee tomorrow. Uh, Keely Ringo, the lone Eagle who was not signed out of the 2023 draft class, is now yeah. locked up. Derek, their yeah. fourth rounder. Yep. Cornerback. Some people say he may be a safety at some point because of his size, but he's done now. Every draft pick, all seven of them are locked and loaded for camp, which begins in eight days. We're eight days away from the the Eagle season unofficially kicking off here, Derek. So we're getting close. The thing about the the Jets, the Jets start in two days. Wow, that early? Yeah, the Jets actually should go to camp in two days. I'm shocked. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah. Okay. You know, you're right. We're right here, Rob. And you know what I'm saying? You know, I love my football, but I love my summers more. Mm-hmm. But it gives us a whole new platform of content to talk about starting next week. Yeah. You know? I am not complaining as a host. But no, I, I, don't, blame, you. I yeah. don't blame you one bit. You know, yeah. um, like I said, I don't get I don't get excited about camp. Um, I don't get excited about the reports you hear. So-and-so made a spectacular catch. Somebody made a great yeah. catch. Somebody beat somebody off the edge and would have had a quarterback sack. You know, it's controlled environments. You're working on techniques. You know, you, you're, you're experimenting on different things. A lot of veterans experiment with certain things to see if they want to add to their repertoire, whether it's uh, a certain type of punch as an offensive lineman, a first step, a wide receiver, maybe a new stutter step or he- hesitant move to see if they can shake a DB. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot. And DBs are working on foot movement, backpedaling. Yeah you know, lateral pursuit, things like that, different, taking different angles. Um, so I don't get really caught up as a lot of people do in the wild factor of what training camp is, especially with the limitations put on training camps under the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, preseason is when I get a little bit more hyped, even though over the last couple of years, we see less and less frontline players playing in those. And I don't blame them. Yeah. If, if I'm a head coach of a team, especially if it's a multi-million dollar player making, I'm paying 60, 70 million. I'm telling my coaching staff, do not put him on the field in the preseason game. Yeah. Well, look, it's, and that's where we trend it. And that, and the Eagles are the, are huge proponents of that. That's for sure. So uh, it is, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, beyond that, Joel Embiid making a lot of noise here, Gunner. Uh, a lot of noise. All right. So, so basically the gist of this is, um, he appeared, he was a guest. 
Film Festival in Los Angeles with Maverick Carter, who's the CEO of the Spring Hill Company and Bede's new media company. Uh, miniature, I think it's pronounced Giant. It's G-E-A-N-T. Has okay. partnered with Spring Hill. Okay, so that's why he was there. So in, in talking about the upcoming season, he said, uh, you know, the gist of it was, I just want to win a championship, whether it's in Philadelphia or somewhere else. And that's gotten people out yeah. of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Do you have a problem with what he said? Um, I don't, actually. As um, a Philadelphian? I, no, I don't. I don't have a problem with it theoretically. So uh, any player would, would w- wants to win a championship. And if it isn't going to, for some reason, work out here, they would like to do it elsewhere. The problem I have is you can view this as him starting to lay the foundation after this year for being out of here. That's the way I read it. That's the way I looked at it. And he, I think John said he claimed he was trolling. I I listened to the, I listened to it. He wasn't trolling in my opinion. He was giving an honest answer with the way that he felt. Here's, here's the way I, I, I looked at it. I didn't read anything into it other than the fact he made a heartfelt, honest statement. And I think any athlete who, who, who has a desire to win a championship uh, would say the same thing. I mean, because it's something that we've heard from athletes across the board in other sports through the years. Now, granted, people are going to say, well, he's got to do his part. You're right. He's got to be more consistent. He's got to stay healthy. But no one man can win this championship alone. And I think the organization has not done a good enough job to put the pieces around him to win. And I think that's where his frustration lies. Mm-hmm. And if, if I'm in his shoes, I'm I'm 30 plus now. I'm hitting, I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm looking closer to my career ending than beginning. Right. And I want the opportunity to hoist that trophy and to say that I was a champion once in my life. Um, and if you look at LeBron, look how many times LeBron moved around and won championships at various places. He put himself in position with better teams. He went to Miami and won a championship. You know, he won one finally in Cleveland. He went to Los Angeles with a star-studded team and won one, okay? He put himself – I don't blame anybody for doing that. You know, I understand fans, you know, talk about loyalty and so on and so forth, and I get it. And Philadelphia is a, big, a, a much different beast when it comes to fans who live and die by their athletes and and their loyalty to their teams and their athletes. But from a professional standpoint, I have no problem with what he said. Yeah. But I think, again, I think the issue that that people are going to take with from it, you know, from what he had to say is this is the beginning of the end in a lot of people's eyes. Like they don't, they don't view this team as being good enough to even advance past the second round this year. Okay. And then you're going to hear the whispers that he wants yeah. out. And I, I do think it's headed that direction. I really do. I, like, I, agree, I agree with you. Um, you know, there's another report from Kyle Newbeck of Philly voice who says that, you know, that, that basically the asking price for Harden now keep in mind, it's July. So you're going to, you're going to aim high, but is like an all-star coming back. He they're, they're, they're essentially what they're looking for is outrageous and teams aren't even dealing with the Sixers right now on the James Harden front. It's just, it just, none of this stuff feels good about the Sixers right now. And then this was just another log on the fire. Would you trade an all-star for James Harden? <clears throat> no. Okay. No, I would not. Nope. And if that is the case, if that is what the Sixers are asking, that's why James Harden is still a 76er. That's why James Harden will be playing for the 76ers because nobody, if, 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 if I'm Phoenix, and the first thing out of your mouth is, I want Devin Booker for James Harden. You get introduced to Mr. Click. 
right away. Hey, <laughs> Mr. Next, Click. Mr. Click, right away. <laughs> gone. You know, I'm not giving you. I'm, I'm not giving you a star-studded player. And, yeah. and people were, you know, salivating over the po possibility of getting Damon Lillard here. Yeah, yeah. Damon Lillard basically said, "I don't want to play for anybody except Miami." Yep. Done deal. Yeah. Whatever they were, whatever they were asking from Cleveland, that conversation ended real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I hear. now you're stuck with egg on your face. If you let James Harden go for anything less than equal value, you're going to be stuck to a certain degree with egg on your face. Because even if you made a deal with the Clippers and got two solid role players, are those role players going to make your team that much better? I don't think uh, so. No, no, they're not. Um, but then you wonder, like, if if it's an addition by subtraction thing with Harden, if those guys can play good sort of fundamental basketball for Nick Nurse, and then Maxi can really shine with Harden not there. That's where it could get interesting. You may not be as talented on paper, but it'll be interesting yeah. to see what that would look like. I think eventually that's where this goes. They'll give up like a Norman Powell or somebody like that and maybe a couple of picks for Harden. They'll get Harden. That, that's what will come back here. Powell played for Nurse, and then, we'll, then we're going to find out. But I still think that's where you could see Embiid at the end of the year still say he wants out. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, I said back in June, I would not trade James Harden for draft picks, but as we've heard all the rumors and the whispers, now I'm, I'm changing my stance. If I got role players and some draft picks, especially a first round pick, I take it at this point. I take yeah. it. Yep. I agree. Because basically we already, everybody who is a 76ers fan and a basketball follower is already of the mindset. This is going to be a decent team, meaning a 45 48 type win team, but not a serious contending team. Mm -hmm. yep. And if that's the case, we put ourselves in our chair, get ready for the upcoming NBA season, fully aware that this is what it's going to look like. And I'd be shocked if the Sixers were anything but that. Yeah. So, well, with that said, the picture looks brighter in 24. You got yep. more money to play with. You got a first round draft pick in the fold um, and you move on from there. That's what you're going to have to try to convince uh, Embiid of potentially. But he tweeted out about 24 minutes ago, I've lost my place as best troll here, though, uh, and it went to Daryl Morey. Okay, great. I, like Sixers who, fans who, don't want to hear any of this. That? Who tweeted that? Embiid did. Wow. Okay. Like, they, nobody wants to hear this stuff. Nobody wants to hear you're trolling. Nobody wants to see Daryl Morey being cute, showing up at a Chick-fil-A, you know, based off of what Tobias Harris said. Just win. <laughs> Just win. Make a move, Daryl, that helps this team. Joel, don't lay down in game seven in the second round. Like all the rest of it is noise until you actually do it. The talk is really cheap. It's really cheap. Um earlier today when I when I sent you guys a video of Embiid being on that show, uh, our producer Tone shot back, you know, uh D Gun, I'm I'm sorry, don't listen to me. I'm just I'm just tired of anything pertaining to the 76ers. Are you at that point also? Yeah, I, I actually, it's funny. I, I did this I, uh, Saturday. I was doing a show for WIP. And I said, if you could, in one word or one sentence, sum up how you feel about the Sixers right now. And I said, I'll do it in one word, fatigue. Okay. I have okay. Sixers fatigue. It's a lot of talk. It's a lot of nonsense, but it's not a lot of winning. Okay. All right. So, uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, I'm, with I'm with you there. Um I'm tired of talking about this soap opera, but unfortunately more rumors and whispers are going to come out in the days and weeks to come. Yep. Um, I would be shocked at this point that the Sixers could do anything of any great magnitude. That would be a wow factor. Yeah. I think we just have to strap ourselves in and get ready for a decent season with disappointing end results. Yep. 
that's fair. That's fair. Uh, beyond that, LeBron is going back to 23. Uh, you remember he, he was 23 originally, then he yep. wore six. Then he's going back to 23. Uh, the NBA has retired the number six in honor of Bill Russell, who passed away uh, prior to last NBA season. Um, but but because he was grandfathered it, fathered in, he could wear the number six, obviously. Right. But he, he's he's you know going to just say, hey, that's Bill Russell's. I'm stepping away uh, from it. Look, I, I I'm also partial to Julius Irving, who wore number six. But uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to see that nobody is uh, going to be wearing. Number six anymore in the NBA. I agree. I yeah. agree. He deserves so. that honor, rightfully so. Hey, going back to the Sixers for a minute, yeah. our producer Tone says in our chat, sometimes in order to rebuild, you have to destroy. Trade hard, trade and beat. Tired, fed up, done, irked. I yeah. think that sums up 76ers fans in a nutshell. I do. I, I think um, I think there are still a lot of people holding out hope and, and who don't want to necessarily trade and bead right now. Um, but I think they also see it on the horizon coming really soon that either you're going to have to trade him or he's going to force his way out that, that it's coming sooner rather than later. And I think, you know, frankly, the only common denominator with all of this stuff is Embiid, whether it's his fault or not. He he's been through all the coaching changes. Now all the GM changes, all the personnel changes over the years, like he won an MVP last year, uh, And he's a great player, but he's been the common thread here. Let me ask you this. Um, I just thought about this as you were talking. Would you be okay with them trading Embiid and Harden right now? Uh, I'm not there yet. I, I I would like to try and give it a go one more year with with Embiid. But we know what the end result's going to be. We, I mean, I think I know what it is. I don't know for 100, percent but I'm I'm leaning towards it's not good. So why put yourself through that misery for the duration of an 82-game season and an abrupt end in the playoffs, whereas if you get rid of it now, as Tone said, tear it down and rebuild it, we will go into the season, okay, they're going to lose this year. So that way you're at peace of mind, and if they give you something a little bit more than you're expecting, it's a moment of temporary joy. But we know what the end result is being with a brighter light, hopefully at the end of the tunnel for next summer. Why not do that? I would just rather I, I want to try and I don't I'm not ready to quite give up, I guess okay. is All the right. best way to put it. Uh, I don't I, if you're asking me which way I think it's ultimately going to go, it's not going to end well. But I'm not quite ready to, to, to close the book yet. OK, OK. All right. All right. Eagles question. Oh, the day. All right. Yes. Here's our Eagles yes. question of the day for you. <laughs> Speaking of the, this subject, which Eagles team most broke your heart? And your lifetime. Now you've you've covered the team, Derek. Um, this would apply to you since you've been here in '97. Since 1997. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's the easy one for me. Mm-hmm. It has to be that um, playoff game against Tampa Bay. It has to be. That Eagle team was destined to go to the Super Bowl that year. Everything lined up in their favor. Tampa Bay had never won a a, play, a was it a playoff game or a regular season game in temperatures under 32 degrees. Mm. Okay. I remember that they were 0 for like 30-something in, in games under 32 degrees or something like that. Eagles team was at home. Fans at fever pitch. Started off great. They score early. I think they went up, what, 10 nothing. It was at least seven because Brian Mitchell had a really big kick return, uh, kick kickoff return. And then the Eagles, I think Deuce punched it in. And you're thinking, oh my God, they're just going to run away with this. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to call it up. Call it up. 
up again. I thought it was 10 nothing. Maybe I'm No, wrong. you might be right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying yeah. I, I, I absolutely remember it being seven at least. Uh, at least I could find it. That was the 03 season. I think 03, it was 02. 02. 02. 02. 02. 02 season. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. Yeah. And then they followed up in the 03 season. They, they see the, the opener of the link, they lost 17 nothing to Tampa. Okay. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was real nice. Yeah. Um, no, I, listen, I hate to, to do this. I'd agree with you. Um, because. That 32 degrees had owned Tampa Bay. You're, you're playing the last game at the vet. The emotion yeah. was insane. Uh, and they end up losing that game in heartbreaking fashion. There's two plays that you just replay in your head in slow. Yeah. Yes. It's Joe Jarvicious. Oh my goodness. Yes. And was it LaVon Kirkland? Those guys couldn't catch him or Blaine Bishop with the torn. It was Blaine know, Bishop groin muscle. And then, and then it's Rondé with the pick six where it, it just felt like it was like a hundred years him running down the field, you know, in real time. It just felt like it took forever. That that to me is the one that even with the Eagles winning Super Bowl Fifty Two, still I still feel that one a little. That's the um, one. The ghost of Rondé Barber is still running down I ninety five. Yep. To this day. Yep. Um, I, I I I looked at that game, and I kept saying, "How's this possible?" How, how, how is this possible? Yeah. You know, th- th- there was no way Tampa Bay should have come in here and won that game. And Gruden, Gruden had the perfect game. You know, I hate to give John Gruden credit for anything. Gruden had the uh, perfect game plan to combat this team in their backyard. And they sure enough came in here and destroyed this Eagles team, destroyed the last game of the vet, destroyed yep. the emotions. I mean, this team, dude, they had Lito Shepard, Michael Lewis, Sheldon Brown, Brian Westbrook. They were loaded. Stacked. They were stacked, dude. Yep. The team the team had no reason whatsoever to lose that game. Yep. And it turned around, and I still see it. Donovan McNabb throws that pick, and there goes Rondé. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the wind is out of everybody's sail. I think that's one of the quietest times. In all my years of covering the Eagles, I think that is one of the quietest times I've ever heard that stadium. Oh, just I, I agree. Shell shock. And everybody knew that was the last time they were ever going to be in that stadium for a football yeah. game. That that was the crazy part of it. You know, as you're filing out of there, it's like, oh my God, not only did this season that we had all these, and they would have went and beaten the Raiders. There's no doubt in my mind. But did you, did you have all that hope? It was just the, you also knew it's the last time you're ever going to congregate there for a football game. You know, I mean, there's that the next year against, against Carolina was oh brutal. Fifteen uh, nine, fifteen ten loss, whatever. It was. It was. Yeah, 08 in uh in Arizona was a tough one. Um, the and Super Bowl thirty nine, you know, was brutal. Wow. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Like some, I I, I saw. Uh, let me see if I can find it again. Uh, oh, uh, Calvin. Calvin says when Bryce Pop and uh, injured Randall in nineteen ninety one, that team would go on to win. Um, uh. It's tough. I click on things and then they move and then I'm clicking on something else I don't intend to click on. But um, that team would win 10 games and not make the playoffs. They had the number one defense across the board points against the run and against the pass. And they didn't get to the playoffs. It's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah. And you here's the thing. We had a we had a crew outside the stadium interviewing people as they left the stadium for that game. And people were tears coming down their eyes. 
and we had one interview with a guy. I can't think of his name. You talking about passionate? There's no way we should have lost this game. Right. I, 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 oh yeah, Larry, Larry. Uh, uh, is it Larry? Yeah, the guy Larry. Yeah. Yep. Dude, and uh, you talk about emotions flowing after that game for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll never forget interviewing players after that game. That's the most solemn I've ever seen players. You know, because if they they may not admit it, they wouldn't probably wouldn't admit it then. I think they went into that game. It's a given. We're going. Yeah. It's a, it's a given. There's no way Tampa Bay is going to beat us. We have we have everything. We we're, they were 12 and four that year. Right. That game in their backyard. Tampa Bay's record in cold weather under 32 degrees. Ugh. You couldn't ask for a more perfect storm. And all of a sudden, the football the football gods turn their backs on the Eagles. <laughs> well said. Uh, well said, D God. All right. Uh, let's get a timeout. By the way, 2.30, Keith Pompey is going to join us from the Inquirer. We'll get his take on what's going on with Embiid and, yep. and the Sixers and Harden and, and everything. We'll run the gamut on the Sixers with Keith. Um, later, we're going to do our NFL stuff, uh, Gunner. And, and today, our, our greatest feature is the Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll do that. A lot, a lot of NFL news today because today yep. is the deadline for uh, tag, franchise tag, whether you accept it or not. And there's three big-name running backs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs, who all have a decision to make. And on top of it, Saquon basically put his own deadline as today as well. So we'll keep you posted on anything yeah. that's going on there uh, in the NFL segment. We'll talk more Phillies, uh, like I discussed. When we come back, we're going to look at position battles for the Eagles. Like, actually, like you know, last year, everything was kind of locked up. It's not that way this year. So who's going to be the lead running back? Who is going to win the linebacker battle? Who's going to win the safety battle? Who's going to win the right guard battle? We'll, third uh, receiver. We'll get into all of those competition spots when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Derek Gunn, I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Bravo Pizza. Bravo Pizza, I was in there Friday night, and I got a chance to talk to Alex and the entire crew. And I'm watching the customers who are regulars, who they know by name. They come in. Oh, it's a, hey, Mary, what's up, John? And but, take care. Oh, yeah, you got the usual. Bah, 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 bah. That tells you something. Return engagement. You know, the same customers coming in and out of there every single day or week or couple days or whatever the case may be. It tells you how good Bravo Pizza of Havertown is. Uh, I'm thrilled that they're a part of the channel. Uh, they've been family owned since 1985. You got Alex and, like I said, his entire crew were in there seven days a week just doing their thing. They have 20 different styles of pizza daily. They have slices if that's just running in and out real quick. Uh, they also have the you name it and they will make it specialized pizza your way. But beyond pizza, they have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches. They have wraps. They have wings. They have salads. My daughter got a wrap on uh, on Friday night, and she loved it. Bravo Pizza is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. Uh, you can check out all the specials and the promotions for them on Instagram and Facebook at the Bravo Pizza of Havertown. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. That is Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. 
go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. everybody appreciate you hanging out with us uh we are sports take let's hit the like button if we could friends uh he's derek i am rob hanging out with you on this monday july 17th all right let's talk some eagles derek as we mentioned there oh 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 sorry i think time out i don't need i'm getting way ahead of myself all right these are the crocs that you referenced a little bit earlier that you just bought at the outlets this weekend Give, give us a little walk us through here so it's like it feels like a suede on top of them but they look a little different than the ones I'm used to. Yes. They're, they're, they're nicer. I'm used to the cheaper ones, I guess. And, 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 I, and that's why I got them. And I said, they're, they're all black. Yeah. The ones I wanted were gray on the top with black ones. They were really okay. good, light gray. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, these don't look like your standard Crocs. And I wore them. And I said, these, pretty, these feel pretty nice. Yeah. But see, Tone, tone, up, tone gave me the, the insight. You know, either I got to flip the strap up like this when I want to and don't wear them. You know, unless you're wearing socks, then you pull this one down. But I like most, they got the Velcro on the back of them so you can adjust oh. it to make it tighter or looser. Okay. So, and I paid, how much did I pay for these dumb things? 50, 50, what? 59? What the <laughs> heck? Let me guess. Trish bought them and you didn't know how much they were, right? No, I did buy them. Either, I think they're 69. Wait, here's the receipt. How much did I pay for these things? 
$59.99 for these. You better wear them then, man. Get your, get your, you know, I see to me, like they would be perfect for you if you're out yep. on the deck grilling stuff like that. Yes. In and out yep. of the, you know, outside yep. inside deal. That's where you, you could wear those a lot. You twisted. I thought Crocs have holes. See, they do. A lot of them do, but they've changed. Now they have this, they all have the, they all have the, on the side, I see. I see them on the side, like by the yep. sole, like down. Yep. Yeah. So now they're making a lot more with this not open anymore. See, that's different. That's a, yeah. that's different from what I've seen. Yeah. Okay. So, and dude, let me tell you something. Dude, it's like going in a car dealership. All these different colors, shapes, sizes, models, fur, furless. Uh, it, it was some of them look like like you can wear them on a boat. Like, but I'm sure people yeah. will wear them on boats. But yes. you know, yep. what do they call them? The docker type shoe. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like. Okay, I gotta give him another chance. Everybody else is buying them. I gotta, I gotta try it again. All right, so. you're in. You're in. I like it. I like. No, they're nice. They were. They're. They're not like when my kids were getting them when they were little. They were little cheapies. Like they were little. Yeah. Like, not anymore. Now nah, they're different now. Okay. You, do you have a pair? You have a pair? I, I never got a pair. No, I never did. Uh, my son and my daughter both had them. Yeah. Yeah. I Wait, you said it. had? They don't have them anymore. Um, my daughter, I think my daughter still has a pair. Okay. Um, and like I said, when she would wear them a ton is if she had a game, she'd wear those to the game and then put her spikes on right be you know, before they go out and warm up and then play and then take them right off. As, so she's not walking around on cement with the spikes uh, or any of that kind of stuff to wear them down. So, but that's so, where she wore them a lot. I'm, I'm looking at JM's comments. I'll stick to strap sandals and slides. And see, I have those as well. So now I have a dilemma. What do I wear? On any given day, do I go you can you can got to gotta keep people guessing, man. Do I go to slides. I got I got a Nike. I got two different pair of Nike slides. I've got the strap sandals. Uh, I, what do I wear now, Rob? I, I, I think I think we now need to do a D gun, uh, foot fashion segment uh, before each show or during each show. I think I think we may got to make. My that wife up. is still on my case because I still own like twenty two pair of Nikes. I have 22 pair of Nikes, different colors, black, red, blues, grays. Yeah. I got Nike. I have a Nike addiction, dude. I got I got to stop, stop this. You're not alone in that, you know. Yeah. Sneakers have become such a like when we were young, not not to say, like you had it you had a pair of, I I had a pair of basketball sneaks, but I wore them everywhere. Yeah. Like that's yeah. all I wore. Yeah. Um but now it's it's fashion. I mean, people wear them with suits. Yeah. Wear it if you know, it, it it's yes. become a whole you know, cottage industry of itself in, in that it's not just for Absolutely. working out or playing sports. It's, it's style, man. Dude, I, I'm so bad now, even when I'm just going out, say to a grocery store or mall. Yeah. My, my, my Nikes have to match what I'm wearing. Yes. That's how yes. bad I am. Fashion accessory. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, all right. So Eagle wise, we were talking some Eagles in the first segment, but let's, let's go present day. Unlike last year, I, I mean, if, think about it. When, you, when we went into the year, I'm just trying to think there weren't any openings along the offensive line, right? Nope. nope. There, we knew the two starting receivers were. We knew the quarterback was. We knew Miles Sanders was the starting running back. You know the tight end was. So that's everybody on that side. Then you go to the other side of the ball. You know, we had a pretty good handle of everybody who was starting across the defensive line. Yep. You knew it was Kaiser White. You knew it was T.J. Edwards. Yep. Uh, you knew everybody. Yep. Right, everybody. So this is different because this year we're not sure if it's going to be Swift or Penny as the starting running backs or which guy's going to get the – look, all right, let's start there, Derek. Let's start at running back because 
you know, frankly, I think labeling one or the other as the starter might be a slightly misleading in this sense. I truly believe like this is a hot hand thing. Okay, so I agree. let's say Penny goes in the first series and it's not really his fault, but he, they're not doing much on the ground. Swift comes in and gets going. You're probably riding Swift and vice versa. You know, I, I don't know that this one will be either guy's you could designate. I think they're interchangeable. And even though they're different styles, they're interchangeable guys. When I look at Swift, he is a shiftier, quicker version of Miles Sanders. You know, he, he can make people miss. He hits the hole, great at cutback. Um, he has all the attributes you need, but he's never been considered that so-called workhorse. Um, that's that's not a knock against him. That's just how Detroit used him all, all the time he was there. Could he be considered a workhorse in this offense? I don't know. Uh, to yep. be honest, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the job description is for him. I know he will be an explosive entity in this offense, or has the capability of being. You know, he's never had. He's never had a thousand yard season. The most carries he ever had in a season was 151. The most rushing yards he ever had in a season was 617. Now his career average per touch is 4.6, um, but. He's never played a full season. You know, he's right. played 13, 13, and 14 games. You know, and, and running backs get nicked up, let's face it. You know, but he has the capability of doing a lot of damage, uh, both underground and, and through the air, you know, with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's at, he averaged over 60 catches a season in Detroit, you know. That's a lot for a running back. Yeah, his, yeah. his lowest, his lowest. T- t- I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The target that was looking at targets. Okay, he's averaged over fifty. He's averaged over. Just over look 50. at his yardage in his career out of the backfield yes. catching the ball. It's very impressive. Yes, he's had 46, 62, and forty eight catches yep. in 13, 13, and fourteen games. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's very durable. He's had eighteen rushing touchdowns, seven receiving touchdowns. Um. He's fumbled, running the ball twice, lost two fumbles in three years. Fumbled the ball four times, lost one in three years as a receiver. Mm-hmm. So he's not he's not a big fumbler. You know, six fumbles in three years is not bad. No, that's you good. Know? Yep. Um, but the thing is, you know, once he gets – he's a small guy, 5'9", he gets low and gets behind you, and by the time you find out where he is, he's gone. He's at mm-hmm. that second level. Once he gets to the second level, watch out. So he has a capability of being that home run threat. I think he's a hot hand type back. If he's on a roll, you're not going to bring him out of the game. Yep. Not. Yep. No, listen, I, uh, I agree with you. And then, you know, like you said, Penny force is more of a force power running back. Swift is a home run hitter, shifty catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, you could very well see games where, you know, one gets one gets eight carries, one gets ten carries, and and you know they, that's just the way it goes. You're you're yep. always going to make sure you get gain well, and Boston's got some touches here and there too, so that it's it, it could vary a lot. I, look, I think you're in good hands either way. Uh, you, you obviously worry about the injury history, and that's why you were able to have both of these yep. guys and have them so cheap. Um, but it's a huge year for both because they're Swift's in the last year of his deal, and Penny's on a one year deal. Yep. And we know running backs don't get paid well to begin with. So you really need to show out if you're either one of those two guys. So there's great motivation there for both to be good in this offense. The really interesting part is going to be, especially when Swift is in there, do they start incorporating screens? Do they do more with passing the ball to the back out of the backfield? You have to. Yeah, it hasn't been a big part of their offense. 
get this dude, but get this dude in open space, get the wall of 18 wheelers in front of him and let him bob and weave his way down the field. I think that's where he's most effective. Mm -hmm. Sure, You can hit him with a delayed draw, you know, a sweep occasionally, but I think he's more effective. If you hit him with those, uh, uh, you know, take quick, quick screens, uh, hits passes, things like that, and let them let him wiggle in that regard. If you want to keep him upright and breathing, I think that's the best way to utilize his talents. Because if you try to overrun him between the tackles, he's susceptible to getting hurt. He's not doing you any good on the IR, sitting in a in a pool in a whirlpool instead of being on the field. So Thomas asks, um, do you think there's any chance they could look at Dalvin Cook if they aren't impressive? See, I, I think. Thomas, to answer your question, um, I, I think that Cook will be signed by then. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get into the season, and 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 you know he's still going to be available if Penny and Swift aren't impressive. I think he's going to be gone by then. Someone, this is just my guess. He'll get signed, I think, later in camp. Derek, somebody will lock him in. Whether an injury occurs to a team in camp, you know, just unfortunately somebody blows out an Achilles in practice or something like that, or. It just gets to that right. point where you want to have him in to learn the plays a little bit or get acclimated to the team before the season starts. So I think he'll be in place somewhere. So, and I don't think they're going to, they, they want to spend so. on a running back. Yeah. I don't either. I mean, you don't, you don't go out and get Penny and Swift and then, and then think about bringing Cook in here. You went out and got those two specifically. Now, obviously, that was before we knew Cook was going to be available, but you went out and got these two for a specific reason. Makes no sense to go out and try to get, unless one of these guys, somehow some way in training camp suffered a knee injury or something that, that was season ending then you got to make an adjustment on the fly i would imagine the team's gonna gonna grab uh, cook sooner rather than later because the mindset had to be do we want him in our division and not on our team do you want this guy in our division we have to see him twice and not be on our team if you're in, yeah. in need of a running back you can him and haw all you want about what's it going to cost us. But we all know you can move money around and fit anybody you want under your cap. Howie mm -hmm. Roseman rewrote the book on how to do that. And other GMs yes. do it well as, as, you know, do it well. So I would imagine somebody's got to jump in it. Hey, look, we need to get him in here, learn our playbook, look at our schedule, look at what he could add to our offense. We need to get him in here ASAP and, and, and see. Now, is he asking for astronomical money? We don't know. But at some point, the longer he's not signed – the more him and his agent are going to have to come off their stance of whatever they're asking, saying, even if it's a one-year deal, we got to get you on a team like right now. I agree. I agree. All right. So beyond the running back spot, which is is yeah. a little bit different than than kind of the, these other the uh, these other positions. All right. Let's go to linebacker for a minute. So Nicobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow, who they signed from the Bears, I, I'm going to take Reddick out of it, who they is considered a. A strong side linebacker edge. I I, I view him more on the defensive line than I do linebacker. Um, but Dean and Morrow, okay. Now your candidates to to maybe you know make a dent here. Christian Ellis, who came up last year and did 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 a nice job for them on special teams and a couple of opportunities here as a linebacker. They do they're high on him. Davion Taylor is still there, and I know. You know, I know it's been a couple of years now since they drafted him, and he hasn't really shown a ton, but he's still an opportunity. I mean, that, that's the weak side. I, I think worst case, Derek, they don't want Nicholas uh, or Nicobe Dean to fail here. I think Nicholas Morrow is the one who could be a little bit more in jeopardy than Nicobe. What do you think? Could, could Christian Ellis challenge him? Let's see. Morrow is 6'1", about 215. Uh, Ellis is 6'3", 230. Much bigger, yeah. Much bigger guy. Who's who's the quicker of the two? Um, 
Ellis has been here. Morrow's getting acclimated. You know, Morrow had 116 tackles, but for the Bears last year. But I'm not salivating over that. Here's why: we went through this with Robert Quinn and his 18 and a half sacks. I told you and Barrett, don't be surprised if this guy's a non-factor. Sure enough, yeah, he turned out to be an afterthought halfway through the season. People kept saying, "Where's Robert Quinn? Why is it?" Obviously, Chicago knew something that the Eagles didn't know. And the Eagles found out after the fact that uh, we made a bad investment here. Yep. I think Christian Ellis will push tomorrow. Um, will he overtake him? I don't know. It depends. It depends on what Sean decides asking tomorrow to do on that on the, from the wheel linebacking position. You know, that, that weak side the weak side linebacker is usually the quicker backer, especially in coverage attacking. Uh, but we've seen big men, 6'3", 225, 230, that have great acceleration, great burst, and are stouter against the run just because of their body size. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a close battle to watch because even though, you know, they may have Morrow penciled in right now as a starter, doesn't necessarily mean he's going to hold that job forever. I agree. I think that is one that Eagles fans you want to keep a very close eye on, just, just early first five games, the impact that he has. Um, all right, so that's the that's the the linebacker position. Let's go to safety. So your starters right now are Terrell Edmonds and Reed Blankenship. Edmonds comes over from Pittsburgh, where he's where he played his whole career. Blankenship in his second year, he was undrafted last year. Um, you have still Kayvon Wallace there, who can play the strong safety spot potentially for you know for Edmonds, but he still hasn't really been able to emerge. And then you have Sidney Brown, who was the third round pick. I think he was third round, third round pick out yeah, of Illinois. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, backing up. People t- send, seem to think that Sidney Brown could play either spot too, Gunner, for what it's worth. But anyway, uh, there's some of your competition there at safety. I think Edmonds is a lock because of his veteran presence. And you, when you play for that many years in a Mike Tomlin defense, you have to be pretty decent. Um, uh, so I think he's going to be a lock. The key one is, you know, how quickly can Sidney Brown get up to speed? I know a lot of people are clamoring. Sidney should be starting alongside Edmonds. But Reed Blankenship has earned that right to be penciled in as a starter based on what we see from this roster right now. Can Reed Blankenship hold that position down? We saw growing pains with, with Blankenship throughout the season, some good, some bad, and that's understandable. That's with any rookie across the board. But if Sidney Brown accelerates and comes close to playing like he did at Illinois, can he put the push on Blankenship and supplant Blankenship from that job? This is all a read Blankenship in terms of can you handle what we're asking you to do? Plain mm-hmm. and simple. Yeah. You know, um, I, I can't wait to watch, you know, and you know, Marina Sands is, it brought up a good point. The, the knock on Brown was he was inconsistent tackler in college for all his, for all of his positive physical, physical attributes the one negative was inconsistency in tackling. Yep. Well, we saw enough shoddy tackling last year from this defense. We don't need to see that again. So if that is a big, if that is a big dilemma in Sidney Brown's repertoire, that's something he's going to have to work on. That's something the coaches are going to have to identify. Whether it's technique, taking angles, whatever the case may be, they're going to have to fix their problem if he's going to be a viable player in this campaign for for this upcoming season. Yeah, if you watch the film on Sydney, he he goes for like kill shots a lot. Rather, he's got to do a better job wrapping up and sort of form yeah. tackling rather than just he's trying to lay a guy out, which I I appreciate, you know, he's he's going all out, but that can you know how that goes sometimes. You yep. whiff, it's right. over. And especially against NFL running backs. Um all right. 
right guard. Let's go to the other side of the ball for a second here, Derek. Um, Cam Jurgens, even on the Eagles depth chart, is listed as the number one. They mm-hmm. drafted Cam uh, Tyler Steen out of Alabama, who played tackle in college, but projects because he has shorter arms as a guard in the NFL. Uh, the advantage is Cam Jurgens has been here a year. They've been cross-training him for a year. Steen's a rookie, obviously talented, but a rookie who's who's still learning. Um, this feels to me like Cam Jurgens' job, unless it really goes sideways. But what do you think? How 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 much of of this is a real competition in your estimation? Um, Cam Jurgens doesn't fit the the bill that the Eagles like to have for an offensive lineman, other than Jason Kelsey. You know, he's only six three. You know, you look at everybody else. Jordan Malata, six eight. Landon Dickerson, six six. Lane Johnson, 6'5". Kelsey, 6'2", 6'3", but then centers are always usually your shortest offensive lineman. Um, but they, they want to get Cam Jurgens on the field to get him the consistent reps, to get him ready for what's to come, and that's understandable. Tyler Steen is, what, 6'6"? Yes. You know, he, he more fits the build of what they like in terms of their Jurassic Park offensive lineman, as <laughs> Lane Johnson called him. You know. yeah. um, I think the decisive advantage here is Cam Jurgens has that year of experience under his belt. Um, I don't see Tyler Steen supplanting him unless Cam got hurt or unless there was a multitude of injuries along the offensive line, and then they would move one or the other. I think right now they're exclusively starting uh, Steen at that right guard position, even though he did play tackle. Um, who knows? Uh, Stoutland may be cross-training him, tackle and guard, for that right. matter. Right. I do believe at some point this season we're going to see Tyler Steen on the field. Um because let's face it, every offensive lineman is not going to be standing a full 17. That's games. the other part. Yeah, you're right. That should be pointed out. When we have any of these discussions, you were assuming these guys stay healthy the whole year. I mean, I know it happened last year, and I hope it happens again. I hope miraculously they have two straight years of this. Odds are it ain't happening. You know, some of these guys are going to be pressed in the service somewhere, likely. No, that's understandable. It happens. Yep. When you got that that much weight moving around in a, in a condensed space and people falling on your knees and ankle, somebody's going to be hobbling off the field. Hopefully, it's not something that costs you an entire season. Um, we'll see. Exactly. Um, but I think with Cam Jurgens, uh, Cam, this is your spot. You take control of this, even though your lack of height. And let's face it, we see a lot of teams across the league where your guards are six three, six four. They're not all six five, six six type guards. Mm-hmm. You know. It's how you handle the situation, your technique, your strength, durability, things of that nature. Um, Tyler's head swimming right now. He's got to learn techniques, line calls, so on and so forth. The techniques you used in college don't necessarily apply at this level. There's certain little tricks you've got to learn and master to be an an accomplished uh, guard in the National Football League. So I I think uh, Cam Cam Jurgens is the man right now. The, the smaller the smaller version uh, of, of a right guard right now is what we'll be seeing. Well, here, here look here here's the good news. Both of these guys are being trained by the best coach at that Absolutely. position in the league. Absolutely. So if there's going to be a quicker learning curve, and these dudes are are apt, have the aptitude, this coach will get it out of them real yep. quick, whether it's Steen or Jurgen. So that's that's a good thing. All right, let's let's go to the third wideout spot. Now the thing is, these guys are both vastly different. Uh, Quez Watkins is a burner and, uh, Alameda Zacchaeus is more of a slot, uh, possession, you know, kind of guy. Correct. But 
you know, uh, that's another position you could look at and say is a little bit up in the air because Quez had a down year last year. Zacchaeus had a pretty solid year, all things considered, over there in, in Atlanta where there wasn't a steady, you know, quarterback force. You went from Mariota, who's backing True. up now, to uh, uh, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. So yeah. uh, what, do you, what do you think about that third spot? Uh, Zacchaeus uh, intrigues me a little bit, and I look at his numbers. You know, he only had three catches his rookie year um, in Atlanta, but one of his catches was a 93-yard catch for a touchdown. Right. So, his, you know, his averages, averages across the board on, in his rookie year were 38 yards a catch, which was a little, little off. Yeah. His next three years, he had 20, 31, and 40 catches. His average is right around 13 and a half yards per catch, which is a good average, especially Solid. if you're a slot, a slot guy. Um, he has eight touchdowns in four years for a guy who's played in a limited role. Um, I, I just go back to last year. You know, people were so high on Zach Pascoe coming in here and being that slot guy, and he was a Nick Sirianni guy, and Zach Pascoe didn't get a whole lot of looks no. in his offense. So what is a slot guy in this offense? Yeah, Quez Watkins has the speed. If there's anybody on this entire roster who should be determined to prove the critics wrong, it's a Quez Watkins. Um, and, and Quez brought this, brought this on himself, number one, by dropping more passes than he should have, especially in big moments. And number two, he spouts off in the offseason, dropping a, you know profanity towards those who doubt him. So now a lot of eyes are on him. And let's face it, I hate to say this, every time he does something wrong, the rain is going to rain down on him more so than when he does something right yep. because of what he said. You picked the wrong market to make that comment. If you were in Green Bay, Cincinnati, Buffalo, might have been water off a duck's back. But you're in Philadelphia – and basically, you called out a Philadelphia fan base. I want to prove all of you wrong to doubt me. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. it was a, like to me. If you, if you're if you're Quez, you just keep your head down. You just keep your head. Hey, all right. I'm I'm I'm. I know what I I know what went down last year. I'm motivated. Like, like you know, let's go. I think you make a really good point with, with the first thing you brought up. Yeah. This is from the very good problem to have category. When you have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, let's face it. If they if those guys stay healthy. There's not a fourth player catching a lot of balls. There's just not. There's only so many balls that can go around, and you have spectacular players like those guys. Whoever the third receiver is, their numbers are going to be just eh at best. They're not going to get a lot of work. The problem is if somebody goes down, you want somebody who's competent to be able to step in there. I'm, I don't know if either of these guys fit that bill. I know. I, I, I don't know what to expect. There was so much – there was so much – Put on, especially when, um, especially when when Goddard went down, there was so much emphasis in getting the ball just to AJ Brown and to Devontae Smith that the slot guy and everybody else was forgotten. Right now, Goddard's back. For now, we we know that he he, he gets nicked up occasionally. He's back as of right now, which means that three primary weapons are that tight end and your two thousand yard receivers. How much room is there left for a slot guy to be other than a decoy or a blocker? Don't know. Right. Quez, Quez, Quez blocks okay. I don't know much about Zacchaeus' blocking ability. If they're going to be blockers more than receivers, which one is the better of the two? That we won't find out until we watch the training camp in the preseason because you know both of them are going to get some preseason run. All right, I'll throw this one at you. Um, again, I get we're, we're into the backups in this situation, but tight ends. Um, if you look at the – it depends where you look. But anyway, so 
right now we know behind Dallas Goddard, you have Jack Stoll, who's been here a couple of years now. They went out and made a move to get Dan Arnold, uh, who came over here from Jacksonville, I believe. Uh, then you have Grant Calcaterra. Yep. Tyree Jackson is still in the mix. Unfortunately, he's just he's been very banged up uh, in his short career here. They, who, who, he uh, made the conversion from quarterback to tight end. He played at Buffalo. Big guy, athletic guy. Calcaterra, very good pass catcher. Not as much of a blocker, but right. does have a connection. There. I think he. I think he is time crossed. He may have crossed paths with uh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Anyway, so of that grouping, Derek, who's your number two? I think just based on veteran experience, it has to be uh, Arnold right now. You know, this will be his eighth year in the league. This is also his third team in the last three years. I mean, he was with Carolina. Carolina either cut him or traded him to Jacksonville. Then he played the entire 2022 season in Jacksonville. We know how Doug Peterson likes to throw the football, but he only had nine catches last year, you know, and he was available all 17 games. Now, he did average 15 yards a catch, so he's capable of stretching the field. Um, we know what Stoll and, 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 and Calcaterra are. One's good at one thing. One's good at the other thing. Uh, outside of Goddard, neither one of those two are a complete tight end like Goddard is. Can Arnold fill that void? Well, you know, he's been around the league for seven years now. So obviously he does have a wealth and a value. He's not going to be a primary pass catcher. I don't think he'll be anything more than what, what Calcaterra and Stoll already are. Sporadic catch here or there. We'll only get looks if Goddard's not not there. If he is in a game, I think he'll be used more as a blocking tight end, more so than a receiving tight end. Um, but I think based on just his experience alone in the National Football League, I think he emerges as the number two tight end. Okay. Uh, I, I agree with you, by the way. All right, lastly, I wanted to hit you with this, and then yeah. we'll, uh, we'll do some Phillies. But third-string quarterback, they signed Mariota to be the backup uh, to Jalen. They drafted Tanner McKee late, who didn't seem to really fit the system of what they do. He, he is more of a, a pocket guy. Ian Book is, is, a, is a little bit more athletic, will move around a little bit, a guy they picked up last year. Uh, so who's the third stringer here, in your estimation? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, Ian Book has played one, one NFL game his entire career when he came Saints. out yep. with the Saints in 2021. He wasn't even in football in 22. Um. So he does have pro-level experience. But, you know, this Eagles organization, no matter who's been the head coach, they always try to draft a quarterback in the later rounds to develop, you know. And you look at Tanner McGee, he's a big kid, 6'6", 230. I mean, big body kid, you know, um, played for Stanford. Um, I don't know. I think Tanner's going to really push in. But uh, whoever the number three is, basically they're going to be a practice squad player um, and only brought up in an emergency if, if, if either Jalen Hurts or Mariota gets hurt. So uh, yeah. I don't know. That's going to be interesting. That, that's a back burner story to keep an eye on to watch to see how quickly Tanner develops as a pro quarterback if he has the attributes Nick Sirianni is looking for in this offense and Brian Johnson are looking for. Don't expect to see him on the field anytime soon this year. Um but I think that number three spot is wide open. I don't think Ian Book has that locked down by any stretch of the imagination. No, I don't. And, and then I guess the good thing from a fan standpoint, you'll be able to watch these guys in preseason team. These will actually be guys who are playing. <laughs> so you you get a chance to see which one you you know looks better to you out there. Yeah, I mean, look, seventh rounder, there's no guarantees you make it. Um, you know, Book does have experience at least a little bit. And he is a little more athletic. But that doesn't I, – I think this one's up in the air too. I, I, I would tend to agree yeah, with you. I agree. Um, 
the one thing you'll notice about McKee is he is a large human being. When, when you see big him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks like a linebacker. He, he does. They're tight end. Um, all right. So we'll get a timeout, Derek. Let's come back. Uh, let's go back to this this weekend. Phillies take three out of four. Uh, remember, 2.30, Keith Pompey is going to join us. Uh, we'll do our NFL stuff uh, coming up at 2 o'clock, and we'll dip into a bunch of other stuff. we get some great things in terms of Steph Curry doing some wild stuff, not on the basketball court, uh, just showing what kind of athlete he is. Uh, we have a really good question for you, who you'd stand in the rain for. And this is based off of something else uh, that's happening as well. We've got a bunch of other stuff that we'll dive into. But he's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Jim Murray. Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group. All right. So knowing who to invest in, you work too hard, right? To just, uh, I don't know, I'm going to kind of haphazardly invest or this this hasn't been working out really well for me. I, I don't want to change things up. No, change it up. Get with the right people. Jim Murray's the right person. I can tell you from personal experience, I trust him with my finances, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, Whatever the case may be, for me, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him, murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot Jim at principal.com. That's murray, dot Jim at principal.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Thank you, Mama. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh.
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. We are back. That's Derek. I'm Rob, hanging out with you on this Monday. Hope you're doing great. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. Uh, man, we had some really crazy weather in in our neck of the woods. Bad rains, which you know resulted in some really bad circumstances for folks, sadly, uh, and some incredible heat. It was uh, real extremes here this weekend, man. That's for sure. So I hope everybody. Uh, Everybody's doing well out there. Hope you had a good weekend. Nice, safe weekend um, for sure. Derek Derek was away. He enjoyed his time away, and he's back. He's in the house. That's funny. Um, we didn't get any rain in June, and all of a sudden, it's like monsoon season in July. Yeah. And did you see some of the video coming out of, like, the New England area? You know, what we got hit with, they got hit with twice as bad, like flooding yeah. everywhere and stuff. You know, Maine, Vermont, all these different places, you know, uh, Boston, you know, Massachusetts, up and down. Man, it's like the skies just open up and wouldn't stop, mm-hmm. you know, and I understand it's good for the vegetation, but man, you know, and, and unfortunately uh, some people, you know, lost homes, a few people yep. lost their lives and things like this, yep. but man, it's like gone from one extreme to the other in a span of a, of a few weeks, Yeah, you know, and hopefully, hopefully we've seen as much as I enjoy the rain for the vegetation. Hopefully we've seen uh, the last of the wet stuff, at least for, for a week, at least a week. You just wish it was, you can't control it, but it was a little bit mo- more moderation. Like it's just one extreme to the other, you know, and we're either getting inches of rain or no rain for weeks and it's, it's, you know, 90 degrees. So you just looking for a little moderation. That's all. But this time of year is always tricky. July, August, it's always yeah. in this area. You know, I always think when it comes to July and August, you know, you think about families that, that save their hard on mon- uh, earned money for a year. They always try to rent like a beach house a year in advance. You get what they want for the family, and you yeah. go to the beach, and it rains four or five days in a row. The you worst. can't enjoy the water, can't get out on the beach. It's all mush, you know. It's like you spend all this money just to be holed up in the house. The only thing you have to look forward to is either going shopping, eating around the table, spending time together, playing games around the table. But you can't do what you wanted to do most, which is to get in the water yep. and enjoy that beach activity and put your feet in the sand. Yeah, I know, I know. It is tough, man. It is tough. All right, let's uh. Let's talk some fills here, Derek. So they win three out of four over the Padres. That's three straight wins uh, in the series. They lost the the, the opener. Uh, now, uh, look, they're um, you, you all of a sudden you look at the record, you know, and, and yeah, Phillies are starting to put it together here. Uh, they're playing much better baseball, fifty-one and forty-two on the season. If you look at the wild card standings, you know they're they're basically they're a half game back. Um, but they're, they're poised pretty well. Um, they've, you know, won seven of 10 Arizona in front of them has lost four straight Miami in front of them has lost three straight, you know, and San Francisco's playing well too. They've won five straight, but they're six and four in their last 10. So they're playing, playing darn good baseball altogether, uh, right now, but it was, it was a, a series and a, and a, a, of comebacks really. They were down three, nothing yesterday going into the bottom of the fifth. And they, you know, they took a five, three lead in the game. They were trailing in the early game on Saturday and made a comeback as well. Um, you know, uh, like we said earlier, Harper with some really big hits for them. And, you know, they're six and two in extra inning games. Yes, that's huge. Just think about this, too. So they had a doubleheader, a day night doubleheader in crazy heat on Saturday, right? Where a lot of those guys played both games. Yep. 
Then they sit through like a three hour rain delay yesterday before the game actually begins. And once the game begins, they end up going 12 innings. Like these guys, and I know they were coming off the all-star break. That was a tough two days stretch for these players. No question about it. And I think when you look at how they, they just bombed out first game out of the all-star break, they come out and just get bombed by the Padres. And I'm thinking, okay, if they split, it's a good weekend based on what just happened in this first game. The way they come back, especially two of the last three wins, the manner in which they won those games, those are statement wins. Yeah, Those are the kind of games you have to have if you're going to try to gain ground. Now, they gained a little ground on Atlanta because Atlanta lost their first series to the White Sox. That was their first series loss since late May. It's a, it's a miracle. Yeah. They haven't lost a series since late May. Right. And they lose two out of three to the White Sox. And they, they, at the All-Star break, they were, what, 12 and a half behind Atlanta. So now they're 10 and a half. Uh, and they're only, what, half game? They're one game behind the Marlins, who, who have lost two in a row now. Yep. Uh, so they so they gained some all-important ground in those regards. But more importantly, we finally saw we finally saw um, Harper put one over the fence for the first time since May 25th. Uh, Schwarber had, what, three home runs in the series? You know, drove in runs. Trey Turner had a key hit, you know, although he's still not where he, we, we want him to be. Mm-hmm. But the bats came alive when they had to. I mean, they could have lost their first game uh, of the doubleheader on Saturday. Boom, they bounced back. Yep. You know, they had the Padres dead to rights. They let the Padres come back and tie it at five in that last game on Sunday. And then the Padres go up 6-5, and you're thinking, okay, take the split and, and move on because you got Milwaukee coming up next. And Milwaukee yep. right now, they just – they just swept the Reds, who they were trailing. They, well, they were even with in the All-Star break. They just – no, I'm correcting. They were one game behind the Reds at the All-Star break. Now they're two games up on the Reds. Um, and this one, they've won four in a row. So you got a hot Brewers team coming in here as well. Um, but the way they, the manner in which they came back and won those games and – and let's face it, we know they don't play the same at home as they do on the road. They're a very mediocre team at home. But, the, but, that, but that first game of the doubleheader – and that game yesterday was definitely a statement game for this team in terms of trying to put it all together. Yeah, and in terms of just fortitude and just battling, uh, you know that that's what you notice more than anything else. Um, you know, and now you, you, Harper gets the home run thing over with. It, w- it was 166 plate appearances. He gets that over with. He doesn't have to have that that monkey on his back anymore. That's gone. Okay, right. he doesn't have to think right. about that. That's good. The thing that's bothered me the whole time with this, Derek, is he's still contributing in a big way. You know, yes. uh, he he beats out the single on on Saturday in, in game one, which turned out to be huge. He gets the home run yesterday and, and the big or home run on Saturday night. And then the huge hit yesterday in, in, in the 12th or the 10th, excuse me, which 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 comes up, ends up tying the game off a hater who's a nasty left hander. Yes, indeed. You know, so there's a lot of good. I like that combination. Maybe this is where we're starting to see Schwarber, you know, get into Schwarber mode. Uh, and they also getting a young guy like Rojas in there just gives you a nice infusion of excitement and youth. And he came out and played a really good center field. And I'll tell you what, the timing couldn't be better for him because Christian Pache, and this is a shame, he has yep. to have a screw reinserted yep. into his right elbow from a previous yep. procedure. So he's going to be out at least a few weeks. So that to me, and, and thanks, Andrew, we appreciate you uh, you hopping in, man, and in the mix, Andrew Robinson. Um, that's big because now this really gives a good opportunity for Rojas to kind of get going here. Yeah, you know, we, we talk about how 
depleted this Phillies minor league system. Where did he get Rojas from? Kid just comes in from nowhere and plays like he's been there for a long time. Um, you know, kudos to the Phillies. I mean, they keep plugging and playing these young kids. This is this is solid ground for the future of this team. Yeah. You're not always going to have these big boppers like the Schwarbers and the Castellanos. You know, now you're going to have obviously you're going to have Harper for a long time with that contract and even Turner. But you know, you've got to develop these kids. And even if you're developing them to possibly trade for something better, the better they play, the more you can get back for them. Because let's face it, th- teams like the the Oakland A's, the Miami Marlins. Uh, teams like that, they're always looking for younger players more so than a proven veteran. You know, uh, Miami, we talk about all the time. Every four or five years, they come from out of nowhere. They're a contender. And once their players become big names, what do they do? Trade them off for minor leaguers or players who are young, up-and-coming players. You know, they, they don't care about – they're not the Yankees or the Red Sox that live and die for consistency and accolades year in and year out. Mm-hmm. They're always looking for the young kids to develop to do something else. But, you know, this really helps – the Phillies down the road. I mean, who knows? Could be Stock, could be Rojas, could be a number of players. They could possibly be looking as trade bait uh, for something bigger and better down the road. But, man, I tell you what, that kid came from out of nowhere and put on the show this weekend. He sure did. I'll tell you the other – let me let me give some more props on the minor league system. You know, Bryson Stott's a stud. He's just a stud. Um, and he's done a really good job for him. Bohm's done a really good job for him. And this was a trade they made last year. But, yeah. you know – Brandon Marsh has been nice. He, he is. Yes. It's a nice job. When yes. you have Rojas and Marsh out in the outfield together, you get two guys who can track balls and make a yes. lot of plays for you defensively. No question about it. But what do you do with Swarber? <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. here's all right. So here's the answer. Um, Rob Thompson said yesterday before the last game of the series that Harper's going to start at first base in the Milwaukee series. So whether it's tomorrow, I don't know why it wouldn't be tomorrow, but whether it's tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday, he's going to start at first, which means get Schwarber in the DH hole. In the spot. Yep. You, don't, you don't deal with him in the field anymore. If Harper can can pick this up and, you know, not miss a beat, which we'll see. It's going to take him a little bit. I think in finally fairness, got, you got to give him a little bit of time. Yeah, you got finally got some speed that can cover that left center gap. Yes. Um, that's going to be interesting. Now, I, I, you know, I said I mentioned Milwaukee, and I think this is a per- perfect team to test Harper at first base, as well as Milwaukee's playing right now, they're 10 games over 500. Milwaukee's not a dominant team. Yeah. The pitching staff is supposed to be the, the strength of that team. The pitching staff has been inconsistent most of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hitting has been spotty. At one point, I believe they had the worst batting average in the National League. I don't know if they still that is the case. So they're not a big hitting team, but they're coming into Philadelphia. And as well as they just played in the Padres series, they're playing the series at home. You know, you know how the Phillies are at home, man. I just, I just hope they come in here and take care of business against Milwaukee, uh, regain that, that that playoff spot, and keep moving forward in that regard. Yeah. So here's what uh, what's in store here from a pitching standpoint. You're gonna ha- they're off today, and then it's gonna be Nola. <clears throat> yep. Excuse me. Tomorrow, then Sanchez, who was eh Friday night. Was all right. Was yeah. all right. And Suarez, who was you know. Again, solid. You kept them in the game. So you go, I'm sorry, I skipped one, Walker. So you go Nola, Sanchez, Walker. That's going to be the Milwaukee series. Thursday's a 1235 game. That's an early one. But you got two 640s on uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then after that, they go to Cleveland. And then Baltimore comes in here. And then they go to Pittsburgh. So that's what they have uh, upcoming. And, of course, 
trade deadline is uh, about 14 days away yeah. for, for them. Now, there's been a lot of talk lately um, about where this thing is headed in terms of it, are the Phillies going to be in on a superstar? Are they going to be in on a Shohei Otani? Are they going to be in on Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, et cetera? My gut says, Derek, that it's not going to be that caliber. Just my right, guess. Right, right. Because here's the thing. As much as we want, and I get it, who wouldn't want Shohei Otani? And it's it is, you know, it's even worth a gamble if you can only rent him for a couple of months. But if your intent is to bring him here, and I think it would be if you're giving away all those prospects you'd have to give away, he you want to resign him long term. How are you really going to have three guys making more than $300 million? I mean, you already have Harper and Turner, and then you throw Otani in there. I just think there is a cutoff at some point, even though baseball isn't a cap sport. I couldn't agree with you more. I just think Otani wants to go, whether it's to Seattle or stay somewhere on the West Coast. Um, I've already seen the reports that the Yankees are going to make a big push for him. You know, um, I, I don't, I don't, I agree with you, Rob, but, you look at the Yankees, the Yankees don't bat an eye in terms of paying players big money. Yeah. I mean, their roster is littered with big money players, you know. Um, are the Phillies going to follow suit? I don't see it. I just don't see it because Otani may get up to $500 million. You know, so you're going to have two players making $300 million and another one making $500 million on your same roster? Yeah. I, I don't see it, man. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think that's going to be the case. It doesn't mean you can't still help yourself in a big way. You certainly yeah. can even if it's not one of those huge names. Look, I think I think the you look at the priorities. One of the things I think they have to be looking at pretty hard here is a right-handed reliever because you have Alvarado down, you have uh Sir Anthony down right now. You know, you're asking a lot of Kimbrel who's not a young man anymore. Um Soto's kind of been all over the place. So, I would I would try and add an arm there and you know, you could definitely go the route of of some pop in the outfield with with a corner left fielder maybe. And you can certainly always go starting pitching because you've been kind of pushing it to the limit here with, with Christopher Sanchez. I don't know that that's going to be able to keep up. So any of those spots uh, will be interesting. All right, let's come back and we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. We're going to do our birthdays and our movies a little bit earlier than normal, but we'll get into a bunch of other odds and ends. Uh, You're going to give a little review of the Netflix quarterback uh, documentary that you've seen so far. So we'll do all those kind of things when we come back. Don't go anywhere. By the way, 2.30, Heath Pompey uh, from the Inquirer. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Right now I'm going to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. When you get the kind of bad weather that we got over the weekend, over the last few days, Pro Action Restoration can be a lifesaver for you. Okay, Uh, They are the place that you call, that you reach out to, if you go through water damage, flooding in your house, uh, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, any of the above, they're the people to turn to. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I went through something like this when we got some bad rains years ago at my parents' house, and I reached out to them on a Saturday, and they got right out. They cleaned up the problem. They fixed it. The price was right. The crew was great. Uh, it was really a relief. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Proaction restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, if it's water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call. 610-623-3760. 610-623-3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com.
Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Hey, welcome back to this funny edition of Sports here on the Jacob Sports Media YouTube channel. I'm Derek Gunner. That man racing to get back in his chair is the one and only Rob Ellis. You're tardy. That's a $15 fine. Uh, you know what? You're right. I'll, I'll put it in. I'll put it in the in the in the coin jar, the tip jar. We'll we'll do that. Put uh, put it in the bland food jar. Okay, we'll put it in the Cheerios fund uh, jar. We'll put it in there. My apologies. I was letting the dog. I was trying to get the dog back in. Uh, so I I apologize. Oh, Bailey that. was Bailey was not helping out uh, there. All right. Uh, all right, let's dig into a couple things, Derek. Uh, first off, I wanted to get your because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I think at least two episodes tonight. Yes. Uh, with no Phillies being on here, the Netflix quarterback uh, documentary. I, I wanted to get your impression. So they, correct me if I'm wrong. It's Mahomes, it is uh, Mariota, and it's Kirk Cousins. They're the three Kirk guys Kirk. that they. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Tell me, tell me a little bit about. It. Um, so what I've seen of it so far, you know, Rob, we've seen so many different football documentaries in our lives, and so many backdoor type, you know, so so called inside documentaries. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, it gives you a different perspective of what these guys are like. You know, first of all, I'm surprised that uh, these guys would give you open access to their homes, 
of locker rooms and things of that nature, but they did, you know, for whatever, whatever the case may be. But I love to hear the backstories about how they conduct themselves at home. You hear about how Patrick Mahomes doesn't like taking a lot of photos and he was having a birthday party and he finally said, hey, enough is enough. You know, everybody wants to take a, a, a picture with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Then you get to see uh, in-game footage of what goes on, not just during the play, um, but but after play, stuff that are said between the players. And I don't want to give too much away, but there, early in, in the first segment, there was um, uh, Kansas City was playing um, the Raiders. Okay. And him and Max Crosby were going at it, you know, from the Raiders. And I don't want to tell you what was said between the two, but all of a sudden Crosby did something that just set him off, and he went berserk after that in the game in terms of completions and so on and so forth. Patrick Mahomes, man, he, he he's a trash talker. He can talk oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. a little bit. Uh, Mariota's a little bit more reserved, and rightfully so, when you consider where his career started and where it has gone. Um, and you hear some of the the mindset of how he approached his business. Kirk Cousins, obviously, you know, there's always been this guy who has been counted out. He, you know, he talks about how even back to high school, people always counted him out, and he, he always had to prove himself. Yeah. And, of course, in Washington, he was able to do that. He wasn't considered, you know, uh, a prime candidate to be a starter in Washington, but once he assumed that role is where it took off, and that's when he really started to make a name for himself. And obviously what he's done with the Vikings so far – and they take you behind the scenes, or you let you in. Listen, they feature when when they when when they went to Cousins, they featured that game last year when they played the Eagles. You know, they were coming into this game one and zero when they played the yeah. Eagles. Yep. And how everything unraveled. It was the first time in his career he ever had a three interception game. Mm. You hear him talking on the sidelines with his coach and in the locker room after, and so on and so forth. Uh, so I don't want to give a whole lot away, but I. I you know, you 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 had, you had brought it up. You and Tony brought it up last week. You know, yep. hey, it's worth watching, uh, so on and so forth. And I said, okay, I, I don't like to watch a lot of documentaries. It's an eight-part documentary. I'm hooked. Okay. I'm hooked. And then I sent you and Tony that graphic this morning uh, about how people are gravitating towards this thing. And after watching uh, almost two episodes, now I understand why. It's it's an Omaha production too. It's it's a, yeah. the Mannings, yeah, have, have produced it. So it's it's killing it on Netflix. Timing couldn't have been better, right? People are jonesing for football. It's it's you know right before training camp, they strategically strategically put this thing out. It's very very smart and it's doing very well. So yeah, I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out uh, tonight. In fact, all right. So let's hit a couple things. Did you see what Steph Curry did over the weekend? I, I did. Uh, you kidding me? You talk about a guy who's just an athlete. Just an athlete. Anything he touches turns a go. Dude, come on, man. How many people do what he did in a lifetime who are golfers? Uh, He so he's playing in the uh, the Twin American Century Championship, which is like a you know it's it's a lot of stars. It's pro am. You're kind of mixing and matching. Aaron Rodgers played in it. Uh, I think Barkley was 81 out of 93 is where he finished. (laughs) Which is not surprising. Anyway, so there's a lot of guys playing in it. He gets an ace. He gets a hole-in-one on Saturday, I believe it was. And it was great. His celebration was, Derek, after he hits it, he's standing there on the tee. They, they, everybody sees the ball go in. He sprints all the way down to the hole, and then he gets the ball out of there. So he gets the hole-in-one. And then yesterday, he buries a long eagle putt on 18 to win the whole thing. And again, goes crazy, and the crowd is going nuts. It was awesome. It was so fun to watch. 
Could he transition after his NBA days on the PGA to the PGA to oh correct tour maybe the yeah. PGA slash live tour. Right, right. Yeah. Could, uh, is, there, is there still a senior PGA? You don't hear anything about the senior PGA anymore. I, I yeah, I, I think there still is. I, I don't know that it's I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, as, as as I think there still is. I'm pretty sure there still is. So I think look, that guy. I believe if he set his mind to it could be could do something like that. I'm not I'm not saying he would go on and be one of the betters and he would he would, you know be better than guys who would just you know kind of gotten off the regular tour. But he is he's incredibly talented, man. He really is. And and there's no moment that's too big. That's the other thing. Like he he wouldn't be sitting there staring over a putt panicking. He, you know, he's he's been there done that uh in in his other sports. But it was cool. It was very, very cool. He's been in the most pressure cooker situations you could possibly be in as a professional athlete, and he has risen to most challenges. I think even if he wanted to play professional golf, I think he would go into it with, hey, this is just fun for me because it's not about the money for him. The guys that play those, they want to win as many tournaments and as much money as he possibly can win. I think his mindset would be, I just want to see if I can compete. And if I make a few bucks along the way, so be it. And with his endorsement money for all the commercials he does and his NBA money, he ain't worried about money. Mm-mm. It's yep. just about being competitive for him. Yeah. Um, all right. So Messi, Lionel Messi, uh, is is getting introduced now to his MLS team, uh, which is pretty cool. Inner Miami CF. Yeah. Yep. He was introduced. He signed a sold out crowd <laughs> just for the signing. You know. Yeah. Uh, he, he, did you see over the did you see over the weekend? Supposedly he was walking around somewhere in Miami and everywhere he tried to go, people are taking pictures of him to the point he finally said, Okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Now for somebody of that magnitude, just seven a month, seven months ago, he's hoisting the World Cup trophy. Right. Now, so obviously he's like the Pied Piper. Anybody who follows soccer, he's a pie, but he got to the point where he goes, Okay, enough. I guess he was gracious enough to take a few pictures with people, yeah. and then more people kept crowding around him. And he finally said, you know what? All right, I'm done with this. I'm out. There's, you, when you're in Miami, there's no privacy in your life when you're a soccer player because the right. soccer culture is so huge down there. Yeah, it was incredible. And there was a shot, and you, you actually sent it to us in our group text setting, but there was a shot of people waiting just to get – it was pouring in, uh, in the Miami area. Yesterday, yeah. But, you, you know, and, and there are people just standing there getting soaked, like pelted with, with hard rain. Just to Waiting get a glimpse to get into the stadium. Yeah, just to get a glimpse of them. It was uh, it was nothing short of remarkable. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I, I ain't standing in the rain for nobody, brother. Not doing it. All right, throw, let's throw this out there to the chat. Yeah. And everybody, everybody listening and everybody streaming. All right, who would you wait in rain to see and I'm, t- I'm not talking for like 30 seconds i'm talking for you know let's say let's mm-hmm. go an hour an hour mm-hmm. is a long period of time who would you stand in the rain to see it could be athlete it could be a singer it could be an artist you know what whatever um take your pick I, I'm, I'm thinking about this i i'm not i don't know that there's anybody i'd stand in the rain an hour for honest to god first of all to even consider standing uh, in, in, in torrential rain like that, um, I would need to have like a, a front row ticket, first of all. Right. Yep. Even consider it. <clears throat> because it could be my only one, my, my only shot in life. And the only only entity I could think of I would do that for would be uh, a Michael, see Michael Jackson. If I was like center stage 
to be right up on a Michael Jackson concert, I would, I might, and and I emphasize the word might consider it. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you, Jim G. Yeah. He said you and I. <laughs> Checks in the mail. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even stand out in the rain to see me and you. Say that <laughs> but but outside of that, Rob, I'm not standing in a torrential downpour to see anybody. Yeah. I don't care if it's 100 degrees outside. I am not standing in the rain to see anybody. <sighs> Nobody. 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 No athlete. No musician. No artist, no nothing. I'm not. I doing think it. you'd find plenty who would not us who would stand out for Taylor Swift. That would stand out for Jay Z or Drake, Kendrick Lamar, maybe Adele. Um, man, I, I'm just yeah. So as far as sports goes, I don't know. I like I would people stand out. If the tickets were cheap or free to see Otani, would they stand out there to see Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, LeBron at this point? Not sure they would. If you told know. me, if you told me I had a free ticket and it was the <laughs> best, the best, most expensive ticket in the house, if I see monsoon rain in the forecast, but I have to wait outside an hour before I can get into the facility, and on top of that, if it's a football game. Unless I'm sitting somewhere where it's covered, not doing it. Can't do it, bro. Right, I like it. I like your so you, you would say maybe like vintage Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, like Michael Jackson in the 80s. Right? Yes. I want if you had to go back in time for people, who would you go back to? Would it, you know, would you go back to see the Beatles? Would you go back to see, you know, some of the, the, the classic bands from back in the day? I wonder if, if if people would do you know the Stones when they were really in their prime or something like that. If you're if you're a rock fan, um, I guess well, there were a whole lot of people that endured the weather at Woodstock. That's true, and it would they get nasty there? You got it nasty, nasty there. there. Yep. And you know, I guess in most cases that was the only way people showered. Man, I ain't, I'm not sitting out there oh. in that mess. Yeah. You know, oh, come on, man. No, no. Yeah, that there. wouldn't that yeah. wouldn't do it for me. Yeah, uh, Freddie Mer. Okay, Mr. Taz, Freddie Mercury in his prime. Okay, and Queen. It's an mm. interesting one. All right, let's see what Tone has to say. Let, let's get Tone up here. Come on, Tone, get in and here. See, see what he he would chat. Who, who he would uh, stand in the rain for an hour. Good afternoon, fellas. Hi, How are we doing? Good afternoon, sir. So it's funny. I've, I've, I've been thinking about this topic, right? You know, when you when you guys posed it. So I wrote down a little list of people that I probably would go see. Okay. Um, now it's not just people, but it's also like groups. And um, okay, so, for example, but, but, but we're talking about torrential downpour, like we I know, saw. I know. I, I've, I've, I've done, I've done this for, for one of these. I'm about to mention. Uh, okay. All right. All right. So, so I'll just start with the obvious. I've stood in a torrential, in a torrential downpour for the Eagles. You know. Yes. Yes. I have. I'll be totally honest with you. It was the game Carson Wentz came back. It was against the Indianapolis Colts. Oh yeah. It was Carson Wentz versus Andrew Luck. It was a hell of a game, mm-hmm. uh, super exciting. My seats were right there at the pylon, so it was beautiful. Oh, I, was right, good seats. I, I, I was right there. The, 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 right. The, seat, the seats were given to me, but nonetheless, okay. so Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, right? right? Eagles. So yep. you mentioned, so, so Rob, you mentioned one of my guys, Kendrick Lamar. I would stand in any weather for Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Uh, no, no. And then, and then, and then, and then, a lot of these people I'm about to mention. This is this is prime them, right? Yes. So yes. for so for example, I'm I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this group, Lincoln Park. Oh, I would, phenomenal. I would, I would stand. I would stand in any weather condition to you know to hear 
uh, Mike Shinoda, Chad Pennington in that group and just hear them just belt yeah. out. It's a shame. All they, the they, 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 yeah, Chester Pennington. Yeah, Chester. Left, Chester, I said Chester. Yeah, Chester. left us, but when he was, yeah, when he was there, they were sick. Yeah, insane. voice, yep. voice yep. of a of a crying angel. Just yep. Yep. insane. Good so, uh, Lincoln Park, prime Rick James. I, I love, <laughs> yes. I love Rick James. Super Rick freak, James. baby. Not doing it. I love Rick James. Uh, busting out of L7. I love that album. So anyway, uh, you know, if Denzel had anything going on, I'll show up. I'm a Denzel guy. Like, if there was ever a live version of Equalizer. Oh, <laughs> that movie is great. So, I love on, both, but Equalizer one, you. but I love yeah. both. But one yeah, is my Equalizer favorite. 3 is coming out very soon, I by know. the way. Yeah. I can't wait for yep. that. Yep. Uh, so or I said Denzel Washington, Michael Jackson, easily prime Michael Jackson, 70s, 80s, night. Like I yep. love Michael Jackson. Yep. I used to I used to walk around as a kid with a little disc man, Michael Jackson CDs. Seriously, just imagine a little me walking around yep. with the Gunner had the album one glove. And, he would wear the one glove. <laughs> I still the got one the glove, right? Glove. I used it, I used it as a glove to take hot meat off the grill and stuff. <laughs> Listen, my mom loves Michael Jackson so much. She literally created her own like sparkling shoes that he used to wear back. Oh uh, but anyway, our Michael Jackson, Prime Jay Z, of course. I'll stand in the rain for Jay Z now, but yeah. uh, Prime Jay Z, uh, Prime DMX, get at me, dog. Yeah, I would love it. I would, I would love it. Like D- DMX at Woodstock. I'm not sure if you guys saw that YouTube video. DMX yeah, was at Woodstock was, was, yeah. was sick. Yeah. Um, Jamie Fox. Now listen, hear me out on this. Jamie Fox is the ultimate entertainer. Yes, acts, yes. comedy. Yep. Music. Yeah, you're music. gonna get everything. Just, just, yeah. just imagine a live show with Jamie Foxx giving you all those things. Yep. Uh, prime, uh, prime Rick Ross. I'm a huge Rick Ross fan. And then, last but not least, I love Silk Sonic. That's pretty much uh, Bruno Mars and Innocent Park. Yep. That album, flawless. And they you t- get all his solo stuff too, which are exactly. Great. So yeah, yeah th- those are my guys, man. But okay. if I if I can get a Prime DMX, that energy, you can't match it. You just can't. That's good. Tone, that's, that, good. That's, Tone, that's a great list. Um, and, and you're right. I might go see them on a dry day. But, <laughs> but on on a, a torrential downpour. I don't care if I had the best rain gear on the mankind. I'm super warm. I am now standing in line outside a facility for an hour waiting to get in. Uh-huh. To see anybody. <laughs> no, now I've seen, I saw Michael Jackson when they were the Jackson five and I saw James Brown, you know, early in my, in my when okay. I was a teenager, I saw them live. Um, I would not want to see, I would not see Michael Jackson again when he was with the Jackson five, but Michael Jackson, after that thriller album came out, yeah, yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely consider You guys know how much I hate crowds. <laughs> see, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought you'd, you'd bite on Prince, man. I, yeah. Brian I Prince. Prince. Love Prince, man. Do you I guys see the chat? Everyone's surprised I said Lincoln Park. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was a lot of surprise. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder yeah. Don't uh, why. Listen, listen, hybrid theory, Meteora, you know, yeah. um, uh, Minutes to Midnight. You None of those albums, yeah. they, none of them miss. Yeah. I grew up on Lincoln Park just... Man, just don't, don't get me started, you guys. I, get me started. I, I love, I love that. Like, I you, tell, you can only have black groups, I can only have white groups. Like, what, <laughs> yeah. are, what are we yeah. doing? Here, what, what, what are we, maybe, are we still, maybe I should have said public enemy or something, way? right? Are we still Which thinking 2023? This way? What are we doing here? I, I, okay, I don't get it. If you saw, if you guys saw, Eagle a lot of you're right. <laughs> you got you right. I, I love the rain. So, Eagle Eye, you're absolutely right. I'll, I'll, I'll stand in the rain for. The best Philly cheesesteak ever made. Like <laughs> so. it's, it's funny you should say that, Tom, because I've been in torrential downpours fishing. I'll fish all day. And they always tell you because a lot of the rods they make now are graphite rods and which are like lightning magnets. 
And I've pushed the limit to where you should be under trees or somewhere. Well, not under trees, but you should be out of the rain. I've stood out there casting because the fish were biting. I I can't stop. It's an addiction. I've been out there inside with with rain gear on. Sometimes just a rain jacket in a a pan somewhere and a soaking wet. I'll do some fishing. But when it comes to just going to see a game, an entertainer, an athlete, I ain't doing it. It's so funny you say that, D-Gun. Uh, I went deep sea fishing two years ago. I went this year, but also went two years okay. ago. All right. And it, it started pouring down out there, yeah. like in the deep sea. We we don't see land. And I was so, like, my, my blood was just flowing. Like, I was just, I was into it. I was just catching everything. Everybody went inside. I'm like, I'm out there yeah. just catching everything. Yeah. Was, I, I love it. I love it, man. But, yeah, yeah. That, that was a good topic you guys brought up. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, so this is not even a pleasurable thing. But yesterday, so my son was moving. I'm helping him move. Okay. When it was like buckets in the afternoon, I was soaked, like carrying stuff, loading stuff into the car, moving. Like I got home, I'm in the car, I'm drenched. Like I look like I someone just poured buckets over me, man. But got to do what you got to do, man. Hey, listen, he can never say you don't love him. Yeah. (laughs) You're moving your son into college already? No. Listen to this nonsense. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. So his old apartment. They're making them be out by July 25th. Okay. 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 The new place won't allow them to move until the 28th. There's a three-day window. Wow. So he went to his, you know, the, the, the present-day landlord and said, can, you, can we just have three days? Can we have three days? Because they're not letting us in until the 28th. Nope. Got to have everything out. Like, really, man? Like, this is what you're doing to these, these kids? So all the kids – got to get all their stuff either in storage or take it you know back to their the parents house my bait dude if i could show you guys what my basement it looks like a bomb went off it's all of his stuff which is fine i don't care i'm glad to help him but he's moving like two blocks over but these none of these people would bend for three days so i had to move them we got to get them all out of there and and it's you know nonsense that you go through but it's stuff you got to do as a parent so your son and his roommates yeah basically put money in this landowner's pockets and he's going to do that to them. He's, he, he, and the, he's, pace, the place is spotless. Like the, they, they left it exactly the way they got it. And this guy won't see, give them three days to. Is, that's, that's, is this a complex or a private landlord? Private landlord. You see that? See that's the kind of stuff that kind of gets me right. And I, I've been in a situation like that before. Literally before I moved to Texas. Yep. Um, our place wouldn't be ready, and you know we still had some things that you know tie up. I spoke to my landlord, order guy, and I was like, "Hey, listen, sir, you've been great." Everything, you know, we've always paid you on time. You know, yep. we never missed anything. Yep. We we maintained the unit. Can you give us, a, can you just give us an additional three or four days just to transition? You know, yep. we're moving, we're moving from Philadelphia to Texas. Yep. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Sure. No thing. You know, it, it takes nothing because That's first, all of, all, first yeah. of all, they got to find people to move in there anyway. No yep. one's going to move in, in yep. within those three days. Let's, let's, let's be yep. honest. But no, nope. listen, some, some people just want to be a, you know, an yep. a-hole. It's just yep. that simple sometimes. It, it was bad. It, it really, they, really pissed me off on both ends. They got their money, and yep. that's all they care about. Yep. Yeah. So. Hey, hey, Tone, uh, I'm looking here in the chat. James Jones said, Tone, unblock me. Did you block me? Wait, James, you blocked? I got to – okay, I'll, I'll check that out, James. I, I had no idea you were, blo- you were blocked on my on my channel. I got to check that out. Right, I had no idea. Like, He'll fix it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, a lot, lot of pushback on your L.A. hat. Uh-oh. Uh, Adam, oh, Adam's not liking it. You're not repping <laughs> Philly in Texas, man. I wear Philly. I wear Philly gear every day, Dad, just to make a statement. Yep. <laughs> All, All the right. time. All right. Uh-oh. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, a, a wearing the right colors. It's it's a beautiful color. It's a nice okay. olive. All right. You know People what I mean? get upset. There. You know. Looks good. All right. All right. <laughs> so, Bob, I think yeah. his loyalties are thinning out here. <laughs> it's oh, changing no. now that he's Don't a Texas that. man. Don't you guys do that? He'll be wearing his burnt know. orange soon. Don't with plant his that seed. Texas. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> good work, James, man. James Jones said he was just joking. Tom said he was he's joking. Oh, you scared me, James. Don't do that. You scared me, James. Yeah, they're just playing. They're just playing. That's awesome. Oh man, he pulled a D gun on you. What he did? He pulled a D gun on you. Yeah, he did. He did. He's just messing with you. All right, let me give you an on this date, Gunner. You'll appreciate this. Yeah. I didn't realize this this entity had been around that long. 1955 on this date, Disneyland opened up. Oh, yes. Yes. I would have thought the 60s. I would have guessed the 60s if somebody no. I can 55. Dude, if you realize and, and funny thing was, you know, I like to read when I go places and do things, I like to read up on the history. Yeah. And it's fascinating how cheap they bought all that land for down there. Yeah. Because people, people in general thought. We're getting rid of all this land, this wasteland. And this guy, has, he's going to put an amusement park on it. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Lo and behold, nobody but Disney had the vision of what – can you imagine people kicking themselves? If I had sold that land oh. for what I should have gotten it for, oh, my goodness. Yep. Dude, have you been to Disney, right? I have. Think about – what I was there in February of 2022. It was Like I said, it was the first time I'd been there. I'm yeah. the only person on the planet who's never been to Disney spending. Oh, that was your first time? That was my first time ever. My family had been there, but I had never been there. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And so think I'm thinking, everywhere you look, it's owned by Disney. Land oh, for the everything. hotels. Yep. Land for the restaurants. How many yeah. parks do they have? Four parks? Five yeah. How many parks is it? Four it's or five a ton. parks? Yeah, it's a ton. Dude, the money he bought that land for was a steal. Yeah. And yep. what is worth for now? What he's done with this? What thing? a genius! Roy Disney was a genius, man. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And, and then it, it's become such an international draw. When I was there, mm -hmm. I think I heard more foreign languages than I did English. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's big time. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking, you, if you get a chance, go back and read the history of Disney and how much he paid per acre for that land. I believe it. You know, I I remember uh, this is totally different, but but similar with the land. So when ESPN bought up all that land in Bristol, Connecticut, they yeah. were like, people were like, okay, go right ahead. And they got it for nothing. And that's why they're there. And, and you know, and they were able to just expand, expand, expand because there's just nothing going on in that town. But you're right. Orlando was an afterthought. Every, everybody, you know, Miami and, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, but Orlando, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Total afterthought. But, you know, they've, they've, Disney's made that town now. You know, it's a destination. You realize how many people are employed just by Disney in that town? Yeah. And a lot of them are college students. They even have a hotel. They even have a hotel there where workers stay. Yes. They do. And there's internship programs where people yes. are down there for a year yes. or a summer or, or a season. And yeah, I know. It's a, it's a big thing. My buddy's daughter worked, uh, did that whole thing, that whole program. And it, it, she landed a job like right away. And I believe uh, they Disney you, Disney University. You can go through there and learn their way and work your way up the ladder to be be like an executive for the company and stuff it's like crazy. that. It's or in crazy. marketing or sales for them. I mean, Dude, the concept down there, they employ they gotta employ at least 80% of that town. You gotta. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's enormous down there. I mean, it's incredible. Oh. I mean, they have they now they have friend, you know, the magic are there. Like they'll know that yes. stuff would have even been a thought process had it not been for for what Disney, you know, did. <sighs> 
for those people. And the resorts, uh, awesome. I, didn't, I didn't even stay on one of the Disney resorts after I saw the prices. You have you, did, did you stay on one of the resorts? We stayed, yeah. We were, it was Saratoga Springs. It was like one of the, okay. the, the stops on the little train that they have or whatever. So we stayed there. Yeah. Um, this was, man, it had to be 15 years ago, somewhere around there. It's been a okay. while. Yeah. What a great concept to have rails, rails that take you right from your hotel to the Disney. You don't have to worry about parking. Now, I'm sure they figure this all in the price when they get you on the resorts. But yeah. you don't have to worry about driving a car, parking, walking. Yep. Just take everything you need right on the rail and catch the rail back when you're done. Whenever you're done, the rails are back and forth all day. Yep. It's like catching a bus. It is. It's cool. It's, it's such a great setup. It's brilliant. It is. It's just absolutely brilliant. Uh, all right, let's do some NFL when we come back, Derek. Big news on DeAndre Hopkins, Evan Engram, Tyreek Hill, Joe Mixon. What's going on with Saquon and the Giants? Uh, a former Eagle retires. We'll dig into all that when we come back. Uh, don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They are experts at trimming all types of trees and serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Uh, great time to, to get your trees evaluated, by the way, too, before you know we get any more of this bad weather. Uh, go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848. Twenty-eight forty-eight, or online at FlynnTreeServices.com. That's FlynnTreeServices.com. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back hanging with you on this Monday, Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis, Sports Take, Take a Sports YouTube Network. Let's hit the like button, friends, if we could. Appreciate that. All right, Derek, some NFL talk. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has landed. Uh, he will be a Titan. Two-year deal. Uh, first year's $12 million, uh, guaranteed. He could reach fifteen in that first year. But uh, he's got the connection going back to his Houston days with Mike Vrabel when Vrabel was a defensive coach there. Uh, but it goes to the Titans. Now the Titans throw him and Traylon Burks out there. That's a that's a formidable uh, one-two punch at the receiver spot. Does this addition automatically make Tennessee a legitimate contender for that division title? I think it makes that – division with with Jacksonville a lot more interesting now I, I think it's I think it's going to be a tight division I, I still like Jacksonville ultimately but I think that's a um, a much tougher division now I think he he makes a big influence and for me at least makes a big difference I think I think his presence is going to take a lot of heat off Derrick Henry is going to open up more holes for Henry because now you don't have to just focus on trailing Burks but here's the thing is if you go out if you go out and get a trailing Burks after you traded AJ Brown and then you sign a DeAndre Hopkins why the heck didn't you just trade, just pay AJ Brown when you had him? One of the reasons why, uh, what's his name, John Robinson isn't there anymore. Remember they fired him after the Eagles yeah. game. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Why the, heck, why the heck didn't you just pay AJ Brown? Poor management. Yeah. Poor I'm, management. If I'm Ryan Tannehill, man, I'm dancing and singing up and down the Tennessee walkway, man. I'm telling you. I know. Because uh, I think this might this might um, help his career and, and help his stability as a starting quarterback because Ryan Ryan Tannehill is never going to be known as a great quarterback. He's a good quarterback. Yep. If you give him the piece to be an even better quarterback, giving him DeAndre, Hop DeAndre Hopkins, who's one of the, one of the best route runners, most sure-handed wide receivers ever to play the game. Man, that is huge in terms of your longevity and, and stability and trying to hold off these young guys behind you like uh, Malik, Malik Willis and uh, Will Evans. Big, yeah, big. and I and I think he's DeAndre still has gas left in the tank. Like I, I think you're going to see him have a really nice year for Tennessee. I do. I think he's going to play very well for them. Yes, this is a nice move. Now I know people may uh, may knock him and say, "Oh, you just grabbed the money." I mean, hey, look, I, I don't fault guys for for doing that if that's what he did. First of all, but it's not like he's signing with some absolute garbage team. I mean, he's signing no. with. A, a Tennessee team that could definitely win their division for whatever that's worth. Does do I think they're going to win a championship? No, I don't. No. But he's getting paid. 
you know, I, I will I will admit when it came out yesterday that he was signing with the My first thought was so basically he took the money and ran. He talked yeah. about putting himself in a position to succeed and, and to possibly help a team win a championship. And when you looked at the teams that he was rumored to be interested in, I never thought Tennessee would be his final destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I thought that okay, it was all about the money with you from day one. But then you look at, you look at Tennessee, they spent big money and re-signed Jeffrey Simmons. They got, you know, Chris Fulton on the back end and Amani Hooker, uh, Kevin, Kevin Byard on the back end of the defense. They got some players, they got some mm-hmm. players in this defense. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you got, you got a, a battering ram for a running back. And I've completely forgotten that Andre Dillard now is your starting left tackle there. And then the first round pick, you have Peter, uh, Peter Skaronsky as your starting left guard. So the left side of their offensive line looks nice. Yeah. Um, the right tackle is suspended for for a time being. Right. Um, but but you got you got some players there. You got you got some players. But you're in a division where right now, uh, Jacksonville is the front runner. But is Jacksonville a dominant front runner? No. When you talk about who are the dominant front runners in their divisions? It starts with Kansas City and the Eagles. Outside of that, I don't think there's a dominant front runner in any other division. To be I honest agree. with, now I agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, all right, beyond uh, that one, Derek Evan Ingram, who had a real, really good year in Jacksonville last year, yep. gets a three-year, forty-one point two five million dollar. Uh, deal he, 24 million of which is guaranteed that's a that's a massive payday for him you know yes. he, he's a guy who always had a lot of potential but you felt like he never quite lived up to it for whatever reason but he lived up to it last season yeah, yeah. well it just goes to show you coaches so one one coach sees something in a player in a position another coach doesn't i've always thought evan ingram was a quality tight end you know and i was always like why is he not doing more yeah. you saw flashes of his brilliance at times, but it was never consistent like some of the better tight ends in the National Football League. He goes down to Jacksonville, has a great season. Jaguars identify what he means to this team. Boom, jumped on to give him the money. We want him for the duration. So good for him because I, I do think he's a, he's a quality tight end. They're going to be fine. Uh, you know, you look at their offensive weapons, you know, Lawrence and ETN oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, Christian Kirk and, 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 you know, Engram and all the other receivers that they have, uh, yep. that offense is going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching, you know, Doug P and, the, and that crew. I am too. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see every time I get an opportunity to watch Jacksonville, when you think about the volume of loaded teams in the AFC, the first thing I'm, I'm thinking when I watch Jack, I want to see how they stack up against this opponent today. You know, uh, what, what, I'm looking at, um, Where's, where's their schedule here? Uh, Jacksonville schedule, okay. Um, do, 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 do. When I look at Jacksonville, here's what I'm going to say. Um, I want to see how they're going to stack up against Kansas City in week number two. In week number five, how do you stack up against Buffalo? Week number eight, how do you stack up against Pittsburgh? Week 10, San Francisco. Um, week 11, Tennessee. Week 13, Cincinnati. Week 15, Baltimore. I want to see how they stack up, and then they close out the season at Tennessee. Were they that good? Yeah, not an easy schedule. How, how good is, is this team that good? Yeah. Or did Doug catch them at the right time? Did they get hot at the right time and just rode that wave? A young team getting used to a new coach and vice versa. 
um, are they that good? They're going to have to prove their metal this season. They got some heavyweights under schedule this season. Do, do you remember uh, last year how bad they looked against the Eagles? Remember, yes. and granted, it was a really messy it was a rainy day. Yep. Yeah, wet day. But they looked like a team that was headed nowhere fast. And then all right. of a sudden, you know, they you realize they won their last uh, one, two, three, five. They won mm. their last five, six of seven, eight of ten games. They were at one point three and seven, Derek, and they finished the year nine and eight. That's a that's a heck of a way to close. You know, the, before before they came into Philadelphia, people were talk, talking about how this is going to be a great test because I think Jacksonville was on a roll coming into that Eagles game, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, and everybody kept saying, "Man, it's going to be interesting to see the Eagles play this Doug Peterson Jacksonville team." And then, of course, with the conditions and everything else, and the Eagles' defense being as dominant as it turned out to be, they were just too much for that young Jacksonville team to, to, to handle. Yeah, agreed. All right, beyond that, uh, Tyreek Hill is guaranteeing that he will reach the 2,000-yard mark as a receiver. It's never happened. The closest to get there, Calvin Johnson was real close uh, during his Detroit days, but nobody's done it as a wide out. He cites his coach, his quarterback, his offensive coordinator, his receivers coach and he also said and i didn't even know the plays last year i was doing it all on athleticism so i will he said that he said now i know the plays look out like i don't know if you want to be bragging about that too much man for for how much money you signed for last year but anyway well well, think about this Rob. look at the numbers he put up if he didn't know the plays last year look at the numbers he still put up yep just sure athleticism now if i'm tyreek hill and if i make a statement like that that means i gotta be slipping you know, to a, a few extra bucks, you know, hey, because uh, and if I'm Jalen Waddle and Cedric Wilson and, and, and you know, uh, Robbie, Robbie Chosen. Hey, Robbie uh, Chosen, by the way, yeah. we got to talk about that, but go ahead, finish your uh, 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 Hey, what about us? Um, uh, how many balls are you throwing us? If you're going to get him 2,000 yards, uh, how many, how many balls are we getting? Uh, because we want to get our numbers up also. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be real, inter- real interesting to see. Um, can he live up to that? Can he live up to a Rob? What do you think? Um, I, here's why I would doubt it happens. I don't think Tua gets through the year. Ooh. I, Ooh. And it's not that's not Tyreek Hill's fault. It's not what I'm wishing for by any stretch. But when guys have repeated head injuries like that, I worry about that. So that that concerns me, Derek. And you know, and I actually think they did a pretty good job. They have Pat White, who I like. Yeah. Uh, or uh, is it Pat, Mike White. Mike White. Mike White. Mike White, yeah. Mike White, who I like, and I and I I don't mind Skylar Thompson. I think they actually have pretty three okay quarterbacks. But let's face it, there's going to be a big drop off when it's not Tua, and that is where they may struggle a little bit. There. I, he I may struggle know, because White rallied the Jets. You know, as yeah. bad as the Jets were playing, White did rally the Jets. You know, and, and and for Tyreek to say that, Tyreek last year had 119 catches, the most catches ever in his career. Tyreek had 1,710 yards, the most receiving yards ever in his career. Is it out of the realm of reality? No, because Tua missed a good amount of time last year. Yeah, and, and, and he still missed a good amount of time. Yeah. It's, now I, I got to see this because this is this is so. Now, if Tyreek had. If, if Tyreek had 119 catches last year and the quarterback situation was in a state of flux, let's see. All right, so Tyreek had 119. Then Jalen Waddle dropped down 
to 75 catches, yet Jalen Waddle had 1,356 receiving well, yards. He, he's another one. It's not like Waddle's not a home run hitter. He is, too. My goodness. Yeah. And then Cedric Wilson only had 12 catches. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, the, the, the one thing, they did lose Gasecki, which I think hurts him a little bit, but still, that's, yes. a, that's a nasty receiving core. I mean, whew. Dude, think they, about they, this. Yeah. 75 catches for over 1,300 yards? Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. It's a lot yeah, of yards. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Yeah. They're good, man. They're good. If two, Look, if two, I, do I think he can do it? Yeah, I think he can do it. I, I'm going to say now. I'm going to say no. What do you think? You going to say yes? I'm not putting anything past Tyreek Hill because he is – if you ask me to st- – if you ask me to stack wide receivers, yeah. speed, ability, agility, Tyreek Hill is first on my list. Yeah. Yep. There's no question about it. If anybody can surpass the 2,000-yard receiving mark, it's Tyreek Hill. If he had 119 catches and the quarterback was uh, situation was like a revolving door because of Tua's health situation last year, if they keep Tua upright and breathing, there's no doubt in my mind he could surpass 2,000 receiving yards this year. Okay. No question about it. All right, and this this speaks to the state of running backs, Derek, which we've talked about quite a bit on the show. Joe Mixon restructured with the Bengals. Um, it took some less money. It's less of a cap hit for them. Uh, he he will stick around in Cincinnati. There's a lot of thought that he would, they were going to do the same thing that Minnesota did with Dalvin Cook, just flat out cut him. Uh, but they didn't, so he is going to be back with them, which is obviously huge for Burrow. But this is, you know, you, this doesn't happen if he and his agent don't look around and look at the market and say it ain't out there for us. So we're better off just staying where we are for a little less money. Smart move on Mixon's part because if I'm here, him, I'm saying, wait a minute. Two years ago, we got to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Last year, we got within a couple of bad plays to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I got three primetime receivers. I got a big-time money quarterback. We got a good defense. Hey, uh, see if we can structure that, restructure that money somehow. Because mm-hmm. even when they restructure, you know he's getting the money somehow else. Yeah. You know he's going to get the money. So. Yeah. No, I, listen, I agree. I, I Look, I think – when you consider how little those on the on the market are getting and the guys who are still unemployed, you know, like Dalvin Cook, yeah, you're probably getting more from Cincinnati than you would on the open market. So grab at it. Uh, all right, speaking of, let's stay on the running back theme here. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard of Dallas, and Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. All three have until 4 p.m. today to either agree to the tag or not agree to the tag. So let's let's work our way through this, Derek. Uh, Barkley also said, "I'm not negotiating after today with the Giants." Period. So I still think, and it, we're what are we two hour an hour and forty five minutes, whatever it is, till four o'clock. I still think the Giants get a deal done with him. I think he will be locked in, and it'll be beyond the tag. What do you think? I think it's going to be beyond the tag. Um, I think you know, no matter what Saquon says. His agent is is the brains behind this operation. And, you know, don't let your emotions make a, a, a bad financial decision for you. Um, Saquon may not want to talk to the Giants, but his agent's got to keep that dialogue open. That's what you pay him for. And maybe the Giants are going to call him call his bluff right now. If he doesn't show up for training camp, he's getting fined heavily for it. Is he going to sit out the entire season based on principle and never recoup that money and have to pay that money out of his pocket eventually, even when he gets a deal? Mm-hmm. Because it goes from training camp all the way into the regular season as well when you start getting those fines. Yep. 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think he'll do it. I understand your emotions sometimes get the best of you. The emotions get the best of all of us at any given point in time in our lives. I think if the deadline comes and goes at four o'clock today, that he may not be there initially in training camp. It'll be a, a great storyline for all the writers and TV people initially. But I do think somewhere along the line before the regular season hits that the Giants are going to have to give in and give this guy what he wants because he means that much to the offense. Take a take a this is interesting. I was reading this earlier. Jeff Darlington, who covers the uh, the NFL for ESPN, uh, tweeted this out. So he said this is about, about five, four hours ago. OK, he says, brutal as it might be. Here's one GM, what one GM told me about the current take on running backs. Quote, I don't think this trend of the diminishing contracts for the position is going to end anytime soon. I'd rather mm-hmm. draft one high and let him walk after five years than pay big money. So take it a step further, Derek. If you go back to 2015, okay, uh, between uh, we're doing comps between 2015 and today, so eight years. The quarterback tag in 2015 was 18.5 million. Now it's 32.4. Okay. Wide receiver in 2015 was 12.8. Now it's 19.7. You ready for running backs? In 2015, it was 10.9. Now it's 10.1. It's gone down. It's the only position that's gone down of the of the quarterback receiver and running back. It's gone down. Yep. Yeah, pretty serious, right? I'm not surprised. We've seen we've seen the running back, and, and I don't understand it because with a lot of teams, but yeah, everybody else is getting except running backs for whatever the case may be, and, and I think it's a it's a disrespect to the running backs. Everybody's a beat up more so, so than it's so. And yet they're the lowest paid now. They're getting paid less than quality center football league. Yeah. They're getting paid less than D-tackles, DNs, cornerbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, even guards in some cases, depending on who the guard. Are you kidding? They're the forgotten entity in football? Yep. I don't get it, dude. I hear you. I hear you. All right. So uh, the other two are Pollard with Dallas and Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. Uh, it looks like both of those guys will end up uh, signing the franchise tag. So, uh, you know, look, I, I don't, I don't blame them, but you know, if a franchise tag is a lot more than you're going to get. It's only going to be one year, but it's a lot more than you're going to get on the open market. So, you know, you might want to grab it if you're them. Uh, Malik Jackson name sounds mm-hmm. familiar, former Eagle. He, uh, he ends up uh, retiring. Derek played, uh, played 10 years in the league was an Eagle in 19 and 20. Had a nice career, won a Super Bowl with Denver. Uh, said, look, I always wanted to go 10 or 12 years. I got to the 10 spot. I'm ready to walk off into the sunset and, and see you later. Good for him. Nice career. You know, he was here for like two years. He only played one game his first year here. Um, yeah. He was okay. He was okay player here. Um, yep. And you know what? You know, he, he got his 10 years in, made his money. And, we'll see, and, and like I said before, we talked about this last week. It's coming more and more of a trend. You know, players are retiring early. If you're fortunate enough to get a big contract, they're not hanging around forever anymore. You know, and, and, and I don't blame them. Quality of life, man. I think I think the CTE has scared a lot of players in a lot yep. of ways. And I, I don't blame so, them. And rightfully so. Yep. Yeah. 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 Rightfully so. so. 
All right, let's do uh, – we'll continue with our greatest series here, Derek. We're, we're hitting each and every team in the NFL leading up to training camp, which is getting close for sure. But today we did the Vikings. So uh, I'll give you first crack at, at Marvin Gunn's favorite team, the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. This one hurts uh, you. I know. I'm going to start with a man who made scrambling famous in professional football, Fran Tarkenton. You know, you talk about one of the most frustrating quarterbacks and frustrating players ever to play the game. This dude was not fast. He wasn't the biggest quarterback out there. But you talk about a guy that could pirouette on a dime and just frustrate people trying to tackle him and then make these great plays. And he was he was a, a staple of Vikings football for such a long time uh, in his career. He took the Vikings to three Super Bowls. Um, so I, I have to start with the Fran Tarkenton. No question about it. That's a great one. At two stints with the Vikings, 61 to 66, and then 72 to 78. Nine Pro Bowls, Derek. First team all pro, offensive yeah. player of the year, one of those years. You know, you're right. He was a little ahead of his time in terms of his mobility, for sure. Um, where it gets interesting is two. Like you could go real modern day with Randy Moss. You could go Adrian Peterson. You could think about Chris Carter. You could do, you know, the Alan Pages and the Carl Ellers of the world, et cetera. I ended up going with Adrian Peterson, um, okay. you know, over 2000 yards, one season was there for a long time, 10 years as a running back, uh, 11,000 rushing yards. I mean, this guy came back from an ACL and, and, and ran for what, 1500 yards uh, that next year. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Adrian Peterson as my number two. I, I think when you look at Adrian Peterson's body of work, you know, it was not actually running back, but man, he was smooth as silk. You know, you know, it was like we always talk about certain running backs have a second gear. He took the ball. He was already in second gear. Yep. You know, long rangy back. He wasn't a typical pro. He wasn't a prototypical body for a running back. Tough, but he was a tough running back. Bounce off tacklers. Once he got open field, he was gone. I think this says a lot about after he came back off that devastating knee injury, he comes back and wins offensive player of the year and comeback player of the year in the same season. Mm-hmm. You know, he came back and had that phenomenal year. Um, I, I just I, I just loved everything about Adrian Peterson, the way he ran the football. And he was a good pass catcher out of the backfield also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, excellent. All right, who would you go with? Who else would you uh, – oh, I'm going to go with John Randall. What a yep. story John Randall was. Um, he went from an undrafted player out of Texas A&M Kingsville to recording for his career 137 and a half sacks um, mm-hmm. in his career. Incredible. You know, his, his rookie season, he only had one sack. And his next eight seasons that he played in Minnesota, he had a minimum eight sacks a year. A Jeez. minimum eight sacks a year. So, and you talk about – when you talk about Hall of Fame uh, trash talkers in the National Football League, there was nobody who could get into an opponent, opposing player's head more than a John Randall. You know, players always talk about, you know, when you're jawjacking like that, it also exerts an X amount of physical energy. Now with John Randall, the more he talked, the better he played, dared you to stop uh, to stop him. And he parlays an undrafted a status in his career to a Hall of Fame career. I just love watching John Randall play, except when he played Green Bay. I, I loved him, too. He was he was a motor guy, man. He was just – he could go. Um, all right, I'm going to go Randy Moss. Yes. I am going to go Moss. Uh, 1998 Rookie of the Year, 1,300 yards that season, 17 touchdowns, six Pro Bowls, four first-team All-Pros. Yeah, it, did it get a little sideways at the end with him there? No question. Uh, but the talent was unmistakable. And and to have him and Chris Carter and 
you know, Jake Reed, who was really good. They were, man, they were something to behold that offense that Minnesota had. All you had to do was throw, throw the ball up and let go get it. Yep. Um, you couldn't cover him, you know. And the thing is, he was, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and could run, could flat out mm-hmm. run. Reed Coming out run, of little, little Marshall University, um, yep. he was a matchup nightmare. People, quarterbacks would throw jump balls on purpose just for him. You know, and you couldn't stop him. Yeah, you know, Randy Moss had a phenomenal career, career, period. But his his stint in Minnesota, man, he was a machine. He he was, yeah. you know, how I many he was six time Pro Bowler, four time All Pro, something yeah. like that. Uh, phenomenal talent. Come on, absolutely. All right, who would you go with next? Did you say Chris Carter? No, I'm gonna say Chris Carter. You know, obviously his career fell by the wayside. In Philadelphia got involved in drugs. People wondered if he would ever last. All he did was go to Minnesota and put together an incredible 12-year run. He had 130 touchdown catches for Minnesota over a span of 12 years. You know, um, in terms of hands, we talk about receivers with great hands. He was Andre Hopkins before Andre Hopkins. Right. And tough, I believe, before by of, of the Vikings all-time receiving records, receiving touchdowns, catches, so on and so forth. Uh, was a phenomenal football player once he spent out his life. Yeah, I, I agree. And good for him. Uh, you know, he, 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 Buddy Ryan gave him the opportunity, gave him kind of a wake up. Yeah. Your audio's bad. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so uh, why, don't, why don't we do this? Let's get a timeout. And we'll try and get you I don't know what's going on. We'll try and get you straightened out, Derek. So we'll, that's what we'll do. We'll take a, we'll take a quickie. Uh, your audio and your picture is cutting out. So why don't we get a timeout? And while we're in the break, you try and get yourself straightened out. If we have time, we'll finish off the Vikings list. And we'll also talk to Keith Pompey when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let me tell you about Razor Technology. Yes, Razor Technology. In particular, We're going to talk about data estate because data is everywhere in business today. But when it's locked away in silos, it can't be efficiently used. And businesses don't have time to wait for the insights that shape decision making. Razor Technologies Data Management not only integrates data from wherever it's generated or collected, but provides a uniform structure for storing, interpreting and distributing it to decision makers. Razor helps businesses transform and model their data, use it to populate real time dashboards and create shareable reports that highlight key areas of progress, as well as warning signs that are in need of attention. Smart data analytics and the tools to make data insights easily digestible help businesses of all sizes and types discover where they could be untapping significant savings. Razor technology can help you break down your silos and fully realize the value of your data to drive growth for your business. To learn more, Contact Razor Technology at 866-797-3282, 866-797-3282, or visit them online at razor-tech.com. That's razor-tech.com. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes 
and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, fake them out. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. We're back. Uh, sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn. I think, Gunner, we still might be having some slight technical issues with you. If you can hear us, uh, Tone, maybe take Gunner down and let's see if we can get him straightened out uh, and uh, get, the, get him. There you go. All right. So uh, in the meantime, Tone, why don't we bring up our guest for today uh, and does a phenomenal job, absolutely phenomenal job covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And you could follow him on Twitter. And I, I, I tell everybody, follow all Keith does there I, I, on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. Does an awesome job also on Choir.com. Keith, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How you been, man? I'm doing great. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Hope you're having a good summer. And it's always good hanging with you. Um, look, there, there's a lot to discuss. You know, we, have, we haven't touched on a bunch of things. And I, I want to get into to James Harden and, and all those kind of things in a little bit. But let me, let me start with this, Keith. Uh, I, I know you heard uh what Joel Embiid had to say basically where he said hey I, I want to win a championship whether it's here or somewhere else it's got a lot of people up in arms um do you view it as just hey man guys being honest and he wants to win a championship uh or I, I think Joel's kind of laying it off like he's trolling you know or it's just the beginning of of what could be the end maybe a year or so from now how, how do you how do you look at it 
I mean, I look at it more of the latter, which you said. I mean, it, I don't think any of us should be, uh, excuse me, should be surprised, right? I mean, you, you look at it, Joel is basically saying, because he said that comment, but he went on and said, there's no, I, like, I want continuity. Like, he's played with different teammates. And we all kept saying to ourselves, the way the Sixers keep losing, the way they keep getting trading players, getting new players, there's going to come a time where Joel Embiid is going to basically say, hey, I want out, right? I mean, we all realize that. And I feel like that Joel was basically sending a message to the front office, just saying, hey, look, what are you guys going to do? I mean, right now we have the, the, the Dame Lillard stuff hovering around us. You also have James Harden saying he wants to be traded. But then you're hearing that, you know, Daryl Morey wants, you know, an all-star type level player for him. You know, Tobias Harris, there was teams asking for him. And then they had also outrageous recreate requests. And Joel's looking around and he's seeing all these other teams improving and getting better. So, you know, he can troll all he wants, but Joel's smart enough to know, to, to say what he means. And I believe that he said it, he got his point out, and now he's trying to walk it back to the fans, but he got his message out to the Sixers front office. So in your estimation, Keith, how do the how would the front office? I, I don't necessarily mean like handle what Joel said, but like, will this will this spur action in your estimation, uh, or is Daryl Morey going to play the long game like he you know generally does? And if we're hearing he is asking for the moon, you know he's not going to move off that till right before the season. How, how do you think that expedites this thing? Do you think it does speed it up if he says that? You know, no. I mean, because I think like Daryl Morey's in a tough spot right now. Like at this particular time, Joel is under contract. What he's going to get is $213.2 million coming to him. He has his first year of a four-year extension. I think that the, the problem that we have right now is that Daryl Morey is on the clock. And, and basically, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, he can trade James Harden today for a bunch of role players and maybe a couple draft picks or maybe, maybe, maybe a couple draft picks. But what is that going to get you a championship right now? It's not. So the best thing that he has to do is he has to wait until he gets the best possible offer in order to get someone who's going to be better than James. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. at this particular time, I don't think that you're going to help and make a deal that's going to make your team uh, worse than what it is right now. Do, do you – do you think he'd be willing to accept, let's just say it was the Clippers, right? Um, do you think that he would be willing to take a, a Terrence Mann in picks or, or would he not budge off of that? I'm just giving you an example of it. Not a superstar for sure, but a guy who could help. Is that just not what Daryl Morey's mindset is? He'd rather keep James here and hope you can kind of pacify him. Yeah, I, I think I hope you can pacify him. Now, Terrence Mann is a good player. You know, you can look at him and you can probably say that, you know, him and Maxi could be a backcourt of the future, you know, so to speak. My question is, like, but who's going to be the point guard in, in that backcourt, right? Um, and, and then the thing about the draft picks is, um, now, if this was, let's say, the Detroit Pistons or someone else, then you can look at that draft pick being a nice up-and-coming young player. But at this particular point, 
Um, you know, the draft pick is going to be a late first round draft pick unless there's multiple ones. And is that person actually going to help you with this team? And and no, I the answer is no. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, you would get some collateral. I mean, you would get a lot of assets, but I think that that's going to be something that's really going to have to, uh, they're going to have to come back to as we progress towards the season and then think long and hard about it. Because at this particular time, I do not believe that that's going to, a, a Terrence man in a, in a, in a, a late first round pick is going to help them, you know, win a championship. Derek. Yeah, um, sorry, just trying, to, Keith. I'm, I'm trying to trying to stay uh, here with we've the had, wife. My wife. We've had quite a day, technically. Yes, uh, yeah. it was yeah. fine up until the last segment. But anyway, yes. I, I don't know what you guys have talked about, but I will start with this, Keith. You know, we've talked about this before. I'm I'm sick of the drama. I'm I'm, I'm just tired of the drama. Uh, it doesn't seem to be going in, in anywhere. You have way more insight on this than we do. Um, and maybe you have a better perspective that I'm not even thinking about. Maybe I should be a little bit more. But having covered sports for as long as I have, this is the most drawn-out, inconsistent drama that's going nowhere that I can remember being a part of in a long time. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, man. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know what? The best way to describe the 76ers, and I hate to say it, and it's been this way for years, if there's one word, you have to say dysfunction. Like you do. I mean, it's extremely dysfunctional. Um, the one thing is, like, you keep hearing these stories and these reports to come out, and all the reports are accurate, you know, about James not wanting to be here and, and Daryl, you know, wanting the moon for him. But they're all stuff that, you know, if, if we go back three years ago or whatever, it was the same way for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like none of this stuff is new. And it's kind of like, you know, if you're a fan, you want to say, okay, wake me up right before the season to see if he's here or not, and then we'll decide. But but at the same time, you know, you look at it, and I, and I wrote an article about what Joel said today, and we think of all the co-stars that he had and, and guys who were supposed to be impactful. And his team, and we're talking about in the six years of the playoffs, right, that they made it, and there's upward of 10 or more people. You know, you got J.J. Reddick, you got Jimmy Butler, you have Ben Simmons, you have, and I know they were bench players, but you got Ersan Ilovasova, Marco Bellinelli, you have Robert Covington, you have Dario Sarge, you have Markel Folks, um, you have uh, Al Horford, you have, I mean, it, the list goes mm -hmm. on and on and on and on again. And it's kind of like, you know, he's right, there, you need continuity. But it's kind of like it's like a, a record that keeps getting played over and over again. But people just change the name of the album you know, or the record. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's the same thing. It's like a remake, but it's the same thing. And it's no matter who they got, no matter who's the coach, no matter who's the executive in charge, it's the same thing, the same song. Well, let, let me follow up on that then, Keith. Is that, is that just – look. It, it, do you go to the top and, and Josh Harris hasn't put the right people in place, whether it's GMs, coaches, players, whatever, or is it the common denominator is Joel and he's not making those around him good enough? Like wh wh where is it? Where, where on that spectrum? I think you have to go with the top. I mean, okay. you have to, because you know, the top is a, a, a head of Joel, right? Yep. And, and the one thing that, you know, Joel, you gotta, you know, Joel is kind of sort of, 
a lot of people criticize him now. And then there's also people who love Joel, right? Who Joel can't do wrong. And people are getting mad at these reports saying he was only trolling people. Right. And everybody knows, nah, that wasn't a troll, right? That wasn't a troll. It, 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 the troll part is a walk back. But to me is, the point is, Joel only does what he's allowed to do and what he was allowed to do early on. I mean, we're, we're all parents, right? right. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when you have a you have a kid and a, a, or you know a child, and you let the the child jump all over the the, the couch, and yep. and curse mom and dad out. But as soon as somebody comes in the house, you want to scold your child and say, "Hey, this ain't how it's supposed to be." And I think that's how it was with Joel. Yep. They gave him the keys before he even played a game. He did what he did. He didn't have to work extremely hard to do what he does. And now all of a sudden he'll say something and everybody wants to jump down him. And I'm like, but who were the veterans to teach him right for wrong? How come he never got benched for not giving optimum effort? You know, what happened? So you have to blame the people in charge of him from the top mm -hmm. on down because, you know, it's, it's, you don't spoil a kid. And then all of a sudden when they're five saying, I'm going to scold you, I'm going to punish you for not doing right. This is setting a precedence for some bad mojo leading into this season, man. I mean, your guard, James Harden, doesn't want to be here. Joel Embiid puts it out there on a, on, a, on, a, on a show. Well, I'd like to win one here or somewhere else. And you got a new head coach coming in here. And we know that the role players look up to the two. Lead. Who are the two biggest leaders on this team? Who are the two big stars on this team? James Harden, Joel Embiid. That's some bad mojo, man, when you're trying to go into a new season, forget about the past. But the players, because it's human nature, they're going to watch and listen to everything a little bit more closely than Joel and James do from this point on. Yeah, yep, you're, you're exactly right. You're and, and look, the one thing is when you talked about bad mojo, like it's, it's bigger than them, those two, right? Because you got James saying he wants to be out, like you said, and then Joel saying what he says, but you look at a guy like Tobias Harris, who's in the final year of his contract. And typically, guys want to get paid in the final year of their contract. That's that contract year where you just, like, lay it all out. Well, you're a fourth option. So guess mm -hmm. what? Your next contract is probably going to be that, the equivalent of a fourth option. And then you have a guy like Tyrese Maxey, although they're all saying, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. But he's looking around and seeing other guys who came in his draft class getting these nice extensions. So you feel like it is like like you said, you got a new coach. Everybody's talking championships, but everyone has their own individual things that they're trying to accomplish. Right. So that can lead to some stress as well. So yep. you're right. This isn't an ideal situation to go into a season with. Because let's face it, we don't even know who's going to be on the team. The only thing about this team is they have five centers on the on the standard on the standard contract, you know, standard <laughs> roster. Five centers. That's all we know about this team. We don't know who's going to be in the backcourt. We don't know if Tobias is going to be here. We don't know if Maxie's going to get his extension. You you know, things like that. We don't know if Joel's going to blow up even more. So. And if you're Nick Nurse, you're saying to yourself, like, yep. can we hurry up and get this resolved? Because yep. the goal is Nick Nurse said it and Pat Beverly basically said it as well. 
We know everybody wants to win a championship, but here in Philadelphia, we have to get out of the second round. Mm. And this just doesn't seem the right. It just doesn't seem like the pieces are aligning right now. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Nurse. He's got to be sitting there like, what's our identity? Because I don't know who I'm, I don't know who I have. You know, I don't know how to go about this thing. You know, look, I'm sure he got paid a lot of dough. But he's got to – I think there's probably a little part of him that's like, mm, I don't know about this situation, man. What did I walk myself into? Keith, what is the plan with the bigs? Why is Montrez Harrell on this roster? <laughs> you know, I mean, again, I, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, that one – He's trying to answer that seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, I mean that one was su- surprising to me. Um, you know, Montrez could be someone that they could they can move. You know, I, I also think that it was one of those situations where you, you look at it, um, the Sixers are, for the most part, were trying to bring back guys on minimum salary contracts, right? And Montrez was available. I mean, to, to me, that was that was a little bit of a head scratcher because you knew that Philip Petrosov was a guy who they wanted, who they were really interested in getting a good look at, right? Um yeah, that one was a little mind-boggling to me. I, I really can't um, <laughs> explain that one. I can't explain that oh. one. <laughs> I mean, you, you escaped him. He opted out, and and you, you brought it back. I I don't I don't know. All right, your best guess with with either Harden or Harris are either here when the season starts, or both. You know what? I I think I, I think we're going to see Harris here when the season starts. I mm. do, I do. Um, in, in regards to Harden, to me, that's. That, that that's the great question. I mean, I you know I the, the scary part is if if you you got a Daryl Morey and, and James Harden have to do some really they got to get into a room for forty eight hours and just like hash things out. You know what I mean? Because you know Harden, you you expect him not to tear things up, but as we saw how the Ben Simmons situation went, it can really tear a team apart. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is Doc Rivers was here a year before that. This is Nick Nurse's first year. And and you don't want that bad type of vibe, like D-Gun said, can tear a team apart, mm-hmm. right? And and I think James is capable of doing that. I don't know if he would just because he's done that at the previous two spots. And then all of a sudden, a team, no team in their right mind will sign him next year. But but at the same time, it could happen, and uh, you know I, I don't really think that that's in their best interest. Is Pat Beverly a good addition to this team? I mean, he's outspoken. He's not going to pull punches. You already have a PJ Tucker who will speak his mind, and when you have a team that's walking on eggshells right like this right now, um, is that a good thing or a bad thing to have a Beverly in here? And is he an asset to this team? You know, I, I think Pat Bev would have been a better asset if they would have got him three years ago. Okay. But but when you but when you look at him and you look at the relationship that he has with James, that could be a good asset in in regards to um someone that say, Hey James, look, bro, like, you know, it's time for you to just stay here. We can make this happen. Now the one thing I will say about Pat Bev. You know, he can be uh, irritant, you know, to opposing players. You know, right. you know his shot, was he, he's been a, a, an exceptional three-point shooter for most of his career. You know, the shot has went down the last couple of years. 
but a lot of young guys love playing with him. Like mm-hmm. a lot of guys, like he, he'll help bring out some toughness. But then when you also look at it, you say to yourself, the Sixers were wanting to just give out minimum salaries to guy, right? Right. So, or was there anybody out there that we look at and say, who was going to be willing to come here for a minimum and be gung ho to do it? Mm. So it's kind of sort of like you get what you pay for. It's like, you know, like when you go to a rental car spot, you go to national rental car and then it's like, okay, they got these over here. You can't touch them because they're, they're, you know, you're going to be priced out, but there you go. Someone slid a nice little card over there on like the budget side. And that's what Pat Bev is. You're getting a nice little guy for a budget. But the problem is it would have been better off. I felt like three years ago, he would have helped them win the championship. Now he can help them. If you want James Harden to come back, he can help you with that. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem ultimately, Keith, is th- this it, you meant you say dysfunction, drama, any D word, but it's not good. Uh, you know, it, it's it's and it's getting tiring for Sixers yeah. fans. It, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100 yep. percent. And it's kind of like is ongoing. It's like yep. this, like we said, is it's, it's just a remake of the same song. Yep. And well said every sun, every 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 summer. You You're know? right. And, and a song you probably didn't want remade. Um, hey Keith, real quick, uh, it's yeah. the off it's the off season, man. But but are you tired of talking about this drama and writing about this drama? <laughs> I am, I am, yeah. I mean, I am because because you know it, it's funny. Um, I don't expect anything to happen until the beginning of the season, or if not the season, we're going to go rehash it again. Yep. And okay. you know, you, we we keep seeing we keep seeing the same reports coming out and. You know, people are using different ways to describe it, but it's the same stuff. Yep. So it comes a time where, like you say, this is the off season. This is this. You you do get a little tired of it because, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like the drama is starting with this team is starting to outweigh the positives. Yep. You know, it, I mean, it is. It is. It, it starts to. And then I think, though, what we do is we get a little blindsided because they'll have some success in the regular season and then the playoffs come and it's the same old narrative, yep. the same thing. And there's always a point in that second round where you're like, okay, they got it. This is the time that they're going to win. And then boom, when it, when it matters the most, they lose. And then that summer, there's always one person saying, guess what? I got blamed for the loss or guess what? I didn't get the money I was supposed to get. And they won out. Yep. And then you, you're talking about that person the whole time. But yep. always that person is the guy that everyone wanted. And then when they got them, they're not happy. I'm telling you, it's the same thing. It's like, like I said, the same song, just a different remake, you know? Ah. <laughs> uh exhausting keith but we always love talking to you man we always love when you hop on uh give us uh give us your insights and your information we do appreciate it keith thank appreciate you man. It, bro. and, and yeah. again everybody thanks for having me y'all yeah thanks for F- me. file keith uh Pompey on sixers keith thanks man enjoy the rest of your summer but we'll talk all right, to you yeah, yeah, bro. all right all take right. care yeah he's right he is dead on with that man it is the it is the same old stuff that unfolds every single year all right you want to do some birthdays and some movies gunner we'll no those in there all right, let's do it. Uh, birthdays. We'll start. Whether you like it or not, you're getting it. No. Uh, Luke Bryan, the country singer, is 47 years old today. David Hasselhoff. Don't hassle the Hoff. 
your favorite uh, from Baywatch and Knight Rider and all that stuff is 71 today. Billy Lord, the actress, is 31 today. Donald Sutherland, who's been around a long time, is 88, still acting at 88 years old. God bless him, man. Uh, Diane Carroll. I didn't realize Diane was still around, 88 years old. Uh, been around a long time. No, I think she she passed. She passed in 19, oh. I believe. Oh, I'm sorry. So she she yeah. what, what she was a pioneer in a lot of ways. Diane uh, Carroll. Yes. Great, great, great actress. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Cagney, born in 1899, uh, was huge, huge in the what 30s, 40s, 50s, even into the 60s. Uh, Phyllis Diller, actress, comedian, 1917. Lucy Arnez, Lucille Ball, and Desi's daughter is 72 today. Eric Winter, the actor, he's in the uh, the show The Rookie. He is 47. The Mason mental. Rudolph. Yeah. Uh, was he in other stuff too? Uh, Eric Winter? Yep. Mentalist, Days of Our Lives. Yep. Okay. Uh, Mason Rudolph, the backup quarterback in Pittsburgh, is 28 today. Phoebe Snow, the singer, was born this day in 1950. The great Connie Hawkins was born on this day, 1942. Vern Lundquist, the uh, longtime NFL hockey basketball broadcaster, is 83 years old today. Who did I miss in the uh, in the birthday realm? Do you got? Oh, Daryl Amonica, former NFL quarterback, is eighty-two today. The Mad Bomber. Yes. Do you know the name Robert Romanus? No. He played, he played Mike Damone in Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Remember? Oh, Damone. He was the Damone. scalper. He always had the tickets. Yes. Yeah. You believe yeah. sixty-seven a day? Oh my God. Uh, the great Brian Trottier is also sixty-seven a day. He, he was great. Yep. Uh, kicker Scott Norwood, who wide, who was wide, wide right, Super wide Bowl. right, yep, yep, sixty three, good one. Uh, Don, Don Kissinger, great shortstop for many years for the Cubs, eighty one today. Uh, Jason Jason Clark, the actor, played in uh, Zero Dark Thirty, White House Down, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, fifty four on this day. And Nicolette Larson, uh, who uh, came out with a number one hit back in the. Uh, not too long ago, singer, A uh, Lot of Love. The song A Lot of Love. She was born on this day in 1952. Okay. Okay. Good ones. Uh, oh, more big one. Art Linkletter. Oh. Uh, was born on this day in 1912. Was that Candy Camera? Is that, was he Candy uh, House, house, wait, house, not Candy Camera. Um, something House. I used to watch when I was younger. Okay. can't think of it, but he was a staple back in the 60s and in 70s. Good ones. All right. Uh, birthdays. Ant-Man is 2015. Uh, the Mask of Zorro, 1998. Trainwreck, 2015. Multiplicity, 1996. I didn't see many others that really caught my eye. Do you, you like anything else? Uh, Pokemon, the movie for kids, 1999. And the movie Turbo, 2013. Okay. All right. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, so that was interesting stuff there from Keith. So here's what we have coming up. So the Phillies are back at it tomorrow. They're off tonight, back at it uh, against the Brew Crew. So here's why that's, you know, A, it's just a good matchup. But if, you, if you're looking at the, uh, the standings here, Derek, uh, Milwaukee has taken first place over the Reds. Yep. In the central, they're 52 and 42, but they could be a team depending on if Cincinnati gets in front of them, that the Phillies will be jockeying with uh, for position in the wild card. So big, you know, big games uh, starting tomorrow night and Nolik takes the hill uh, for the Phillies tomorrow. And then tomorrow as well, or uh, yeah, tomorrow, uh, the Eagles are a week away uh, from training camp tomorrow. So uh, 
wow. you know, certainly a lot. Yeah, a lot, lot going on, man. We're getting to that time of year where it starts to get really, really uh, busy and really crazy. All right. want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone producing the program. Great job out of Tone. All of you in the chat. Oh. Thanks, Tone. All of you in the chat section. Great job. Appreciate you. Uh, everybody listening, everybody streaming. Thank you very much. Uh, don't go anywhere. Dan Cilio and the National Football Show coming your way. So we're looking forward to hanging with you tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. 